This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Welcome to another episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and uh, we have a very cool episode for you today, uh, which includes uh, the reappearance of a one Colby James West, or as he is labeled on his stream yard, uh, Colby Jim Wets. He's uh, <laughs> uh, spent quite a bit of time uh, with me, and and I can't be more appreciative he is, uh, he's the shit. This guy's, he's so funny, and I actually, like, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, it's very insightful, and uh, we kind of go all over the place. Talk about his voiceover work, we talk about skiing, and um, how much he's skiing these days. We talk about, um, man, we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, I, I hope you guys enjoy it, because it's seriously one of the best conversations I think that I've had in a while, or at least one of the funnier conversations I've had in a while. He does a Rory Bushfield impression that is so spot on. You'll think Rory's on the show, um, as well as a million other impressions that are so good. Um, we also, uh, at the end of this episode have, uh, kind of the preview interview that I did with Andrew Drummond and Brody Levin, uh, from last year's standing, uh, Brody ended up winning last year's standing after 60, Five, 66 hours, something like that, 65 laps, um, which I guess would make it 66 hours on feet, um, or on skis, which is cr- so crazy. Um, I'll have to get the official stats and, uh, and put them out there for you, but like, it is so insane what both he and Ben Eck, uh, accomplished, especially when you listen to the interview, Brody's like, I don't know, you guys are putting a lot of stock into me. And I was like, 42 was my guess. And I think Andrews was like 39. 65 laps for Brody Levin. I mean, let's just think about 65 laps. That's 66,000 feet of elevation uh, over the course of three-plus days. They started this event Saturday morning. It just ended this morning around 3 or 4 a.m. And today's Tuesday. Imagine skiing for four days. And like, so if you're not familiar with the format, I'll explain it real quick. Basically, at the top of every hour, you skin a lap up Black Mountain to the top through this ridiculous course that Andrew designed, which is like, it's a normal skinning course till about maybe 200, 300 feet left. And then you kind of have to boot pack uh, the rest of that. Ski ski crampons worked for the first day, probably. um, And then it all iced over and there was no chance of anybody skinning it anymore. So you're boot packing. And then you ski down. Um, a lap takes 35 to 40 minutes um, when you're fresh. Uh, towards the end, it definitely takes a little longer than that. So then you have the remainder of the time to eat, rest, refuel, take your boots off, take 15-minute naps, uh, whatever you want uh, during that time frame. As long as you're at the start of the next hour, uh, you can go again. And the idea is that there's only one finisher in this event um, versus every other um race format this is uh this is like a march till death except not till death until someone wins uh ben Eck, who won last year uh just 
decided to call it quits this morning at 64. Um, and I mean, I had zero chance in my head that Ben was going to make it that long. Like zero chance because he did it last year. <laughs> he did 61 last year. Like, why would you want to do like I did one lap of the course and I was like, this is terrible. So to do that is uh, is a totally different feat. Um, and I'm like, I'm blown away by these people. It's the best event that gets put on during the winter, um, in new England. And in my opinion, in terms of a competitive event, shout out to Andrew Drummond and ski the whites. Um, it's uh, what a, what a crew, um, and what a, what an event and everybody that's involved. It's, uh, I went up a couple times over the weekend and chatted with some people and it was, uh, it's insane. So you hear kind of the predictions ahead of time, um, and then obviously now you know what uh, what actually transpires. But it's really interesting to hear Andrew's perspective on the event. It's interesting to hear what Brody thought he would do versus what he ended up doing. Um, but yeah, really cool. Um, before we get into the episode, a few things. Uh, we have sponsors, which is really cool. I'm glad we have sponsors. Uh, we have for today, uh, Burn Helmets as a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, Burn makes all kinds of different helmets. Recently, I've switched my game up to the Macon um, from the Watts, which is a little slimmer. Um, it's a little like more low profile, a little sleeker in my opinion. Um, it's it's clean. It's what I've been running uh, for a little while now. And most of all, it fits so well. Like it just fits comfortably. Like you could do, you can wear it however you want. Um, and it's, it's simple. It's like a make your own helmet situation. Like you make it what you want to be. You want to sticker it up? Cool. You want to like, I don't know, wear a hat under it. You want to wear a hood over it. It's low profile enough that you can wear one of those fun little puffy hoods. Um, even if you have a big head, it's, uh, it's really cool. So you can go to burnhelmets.com and use promo code out of bounds and you save 15, 20%, something like that. Um, and you're supporting a, a company that's cool. Like if you check out their social, like they're they're getting it. They really they really are getting it, and uh, and they're a ton of fun. And I'm I'm really enjoying working with them. Um, so go get a burn helmet, burnhelmets.com promo code out of bounds. Um, we also have another sponsor for today uh, in Darn Tough Socks. Darn Tough is the standard in ski socks and in socks in general. Um, made in Vermont. Uh, they are as good as you could possibly ask for, um, whether you were looking for a ski sock, a hike sock, or a run sock, they have it for you, um, at darn tough. Um, we are giving away 20 pairs of socks this weekend. Um, so pay attention to the social. Um, if you missed out on the Fisher skis giveaway, this is an opportunity to win a shit ton of socks from the best sock company in the world, in my opinion. And that is completely unbiased regardless of whether they pay us or not. Um, it is, they're the best. Like I was wearing darn tough ex- pretty much exclusively um before this and i will continue forever now so um i hope you guys do the same check out darn um and you can learn a little more if you want to but mainly uh enter the giveaway this weekend it'll be a little different format um we're trying to like kind of figure out who listens to the show and kind of get people involved but we'll give you a shit ton of socks in trade um for uh for an entry um and there'll actually be a few different um, levels of participation um, for this one. So, oh yeah, that reminds me too. We are giving away a carbon burn watts too soon, whether it's this weekend or next weekend, I haven't really decided, but there's going to be some opportunity for you there. Um, all right. Uh, last thing, please leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you listen, there's options to leave us a review. 
follow the YouTube because there's a bunch of content coming out now on the YouTube page. Um, it's like starting to drop. I know I've been saying it for a while, but it's cool. Episodes will be up there. We have a new studio, which is the most important thing that is going to change everything about my show, at least. Um, it's really, really rad, and I'm psyched um, to start doing episodes in there uh, beginning early March. Um, and you guys will start seeing some content coming from there, uh, shortly, but it's, it's really rad. I'm so, I'm, I'm so hyped. Um, leave a review. Anyway, Colby James West and, uh, Andrew Drummond, Brody Levin. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you later. Um, all right. Uh, we have fucking sound bites now. Um, we have a full soundboard. Um, Cobley Jim Wetz, tell people who you are, uh, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. Hello, everybody. My name is Cobley Jim Wetz, <laughs> <laughs> and I moved here from far away place. Uh, I'm Colby James West. Uh, I used to be a pro skier, and now I still do skiing things, but I also do some stunty things. Okay. And I like making funny stuff and movies and shit. Sick. Um, and I just learned how to braid my hair, so that's why I'm braiding my I hair. I was going to say, the braiding hair thing is a neat trick to just add in. At first, I was like, I wasn't sure if you were like pulling your hair out, but I guess you're just braiding No, it. no. If I'm braiding it, it's going to be... I'll show you in a second. I'm, it's because it's, kind of <laughs> it's, it's not, not great. But it's like Viking warrior status shit, you know? Yeah, you just need an axe, and you're fucking ready to go. Yeah. There, see, look at that shit. Oh, shit. All right, cool. It's like a mohawk yeah. situation with braids. Yeah, you look like a character out of a video game. Yeah, perfect. Oh, my friend wanted me to be Zangief from Street Fighter for Halloween. <laughs> like, grow my, grow my beard out and just do Russian exit the whole time. That'd be great. All I could think of was him and, like, Wreck-It Ralph where they're sitting in, like, the, <laughs> like the Bad Guys Anonymous thing. And he goes, just because Zangief is bad guy doesn't mean he is bad guy <laughs> like the only thing i know about him holy shit um can i ask you how you started doing these voices like when you found out that you were good at it like what that's like a fucking uh, like, strange thing to just like happen upon as a skill set yeah well luke van Bilen says i have like overdeveloped vocal cords or something because i can like go like super deep but um <laughs> When I was younger, I used to just do voices all the time. I remember, actually, like followed my one time when my sister was in high school. She's like two and a half years older than me. She had this boyfriend, but they weren't old enough to like go to the movies or do anything by themselves. So like my mom or my dad like chaperoning, but they couldn't just leave me by myself. So I like went with them, and the whole time I was just I was just like narrating what they were doing. Like he'd be like. What kind of food do you want? And I'd be like, he asks what kind of food she wants. <laughs> like, they decide on a movie. <laughs> like, just the most annoying little brother shit with a twist. <laughs> oh, fuck, and that's how it started. And that's how it started. My my family's pretty musical, so like I didn't, like I didn't do any lessons of singing or anything, but I just I like it. So I've been doing that, and I have a voiceover agent that I got. Um, from a tinder date wait what <laughs> yeah i like matched with this girl on tinder and uh she was like you're pretty good at this voice i was like thank you and she was like do you have like an agent or anything i was like no i just do it for like skiing and snowboarding and like sports and stuff and 
and she was like, when we call my aunt, and it turns out that she was like, she, her dad was like super famous in the music industry, like more like on the international type music, not like super America, but he's fucking huge deal. And so we <laughs> called her aunt and her aunt just made like one phone call in this agency was like, yeah, sure. We'll sign him. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> is there, can, is there a benefit to having an agent? Like, and I guess I mean on the ski side of things and on the voiceover, I never thought I'd be asking about the voiceover side, but is there a benefit to having oh, yeah. an agent? Voiceovers, definitely, because like with voiceovers, there's like for an audition or whatever. First of all, it's better than doing like acting auditions. You'd be like, I don't know if I could ever do that, like go into a, an audition. And that just seems so weird because like I can just do my like voiceovers from home. I got that studio set up. So, yeah. It's not that big. It's not not hard at all. I just sit there, crank them out for a little bit. But like, that's definitely it. Because for like every voiceover audition I do, there's easily like a thousand or more people also auditioning for that. So like, if you have the time, you just crank them out. That's definitely helpful. But um, yeah, with skiing, I've had three different agents. I started with Yaps. I was Yaps's first client ever were you really yeah 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 Yeah. yaps is like not my friend i'm trying to get him to be my friend so that he'll like give me athlete interviews more often but he's like eh. sometimes he gives me sometimes he doesn't and i'm fucking sad about it well he's a he's a super nice guy he um he got me my monster deal so like i think i'm i'm still sponsored by monster i think i'm like like one of the longest running athletes for monster like across the board i've been with him for like 15 years (laughs) But Yaps got me with Monster, but then I wanted to go with Spencer, Michael Spencer. I signed with Spencer, and then that didn't really work out. And then Jersey Mike, um, he was, like, trying to get into it. And he had Pete Olenek, and so I was like, all right, let's try that. So then I've been with Jersey Mike ever since. What's the What's the benefit of having an age? Because, like, um, I, I don't know, I feel like me, people are split. Well, for me, it's some of it's like a buffer. So, like... I mean, my, the first contracts I had, like when I was in New Hampshire and I got like some small little deals, I don't remember, it was like Bula or something. I like wrote the contract myself and like I'm pretty good at like the negotiation and all those different things. But I found after a bit, it's like when you're dealing with like a bunch more money, you don't want to be the one who they're like, we'll offer you this. And then you have to be the one who's like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's like, there's no chance that's going to happen. So like, it's nice to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, well, I got to talk to my agent and go to my agent and be like, they're fucking... But you fist fucking me like you talk to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you keep that. Yeah. You can keep that face of being the entertainer in there. It's good cop, bad cop, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I, I mean, it also is helpful with some of the legal stuff. Because when it got bigger, obviously, I can't write all that legal mumbo jumbo into the contracts. Just like, I mean, they have lawyers. They have all that stuff. And yeah. it's just nice to, like, cut that away. I mean, it definitely was more helpful when I was, like, competing in, like, every single event you could compete in and, and filming with like two companies at the same time. So like, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard there's like, go ahead. But, well, there's like a benefit to, to it. Um, if you're making decent money and there's expectations on you, but like in skiing for some ridiculous reason, like in Hollywood shit, they, they, it's like 10% is like the standard thing. And in skiing, if it's like, and it is how it was anyway, when I had, my agents for all that stuff, but it's like 20% for out of industry. What? So like if you got, if someone got on monster, then the agent takes 20%. And then if 
it's uh, and endemic sponsors like skis or things like that's like 15 percent. so i was like this is fucking crazy <laughs> what kind of and it's just like leveraging their connections like because they know everybody ski industry is like who you know so they're just leveraging I mean, that i don't really unless like for the i mean the stuff i was talking about that's helpful is that's more like manager type stuff so like i mean the thing is with skiing like most of the time it's just like younger kids so it's obviously better to have you know get some help with that you got to have a fucking yeah adult in the room essentially even, even when you're in like your early 20s or whatever you're like still don't really know till you get burned a couple times <laughs> yeah yeah which fucking sucks mm -hmm. i feel like that's what happens to a lot of younger athletes and that's what makes them jaded and that's what ends up making them like slowly creep out of the sport is because it's fucking hard to figure out nobody tells you anything and you got to kind of like figure it all out on your own still like in 2022 yeah it's it's um it's not uh it's not it's so small too like in skiing and like the action sport stuff that like you don't really you don't if you're really good at it and you have like a little bit of ability to like kind of be schmoozy or whatever you don't really need it but especially like i mean i guess now kids aren't making nearly the fucking money that we used to make so yeah it's a little different yeah i mean Kyle's i don't know if you know who Kyle's main is but he was just telling me like a few weeks ago it's like for his whole year he made five thousand dollars, and he was like the number five half pipe skier in the world. Like, oh my god, he made five thousand dollars. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the kind of shit. And it's just like because he didn't know, he didn't know what to ask for. In the beginning, he was like, just pay my comp fees, and he was like well, a the, top the, five. And Jesus, with that five thousand, not that's not possible. So like, how is he sustained? Like, he's got parents' money or something. Like, he just like was working other jobs and funding his own skiing. Like, they'd give him the skis yeah, and see, they pay like his comp the, fees. The, that's what the Olympics did. They like just Olympics is where sports go to die, and it like certainly sucked all the money and life out of everything. Yeah, what the fuck is with that? Like, I don't understand why every like everybody's just out there skiing for free. Basically, I mean, you get the money, you get the ad money, the ad revenue if you're a big enough star. But there's a lot. Well, it's so crazy because they just they they your payment is supposed to be the stars in your eyes that are somehow going to pan out to getting money somewhere. There's three people that benefit out of all the people in the world that do the Olympics. I remember I was talking with Jossie before the first Olympics, like slow style one. And we were just dicking around about being, and I was like, dude, how fucking shitty would it be to get fourth at the Olympics? <laughs> yeah. Know, that would be right. the worst. And he comes back and he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fucking terrible. And it's still like to this day, it's, so many companies are just funneling money into it. I'm like, do people actually give a fuck about the Olympics anymore? Yeah, I mean, they they don't. Well, I mean, they don't really know. I mean, the, the IOC is a pretty terrifying organization, but, like, it's, like, it's heavy, man. I remember I talked with Julia Mancuso a bunch about it. She was on Spider with me, you know, the ski racer. And, um, yeah, she was like, oh, buddy, do I have stories about that? I don't know if it's coach for me to share them stories, but yeah. um, it just was, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too into it because I'll just start being like, and then this, and then fucking this guy, and then this thing, and then fucking rawr. And then but, fuck um, the Olympics, but yeah. Yeah, but like the the thing about now, going back to like the the Kyle getting paid so minimally is they, they, they the, the rules of how much you're selling, not rules, but like the gauge of how much you're selling is now gauged on 
how many fucking followers you have no matter what. Yeah. So like you could you can't really make money based on like it's so much harder to prove how much you're you're bringing back for the company mm. back in the in the like back in back in my day. But it was like there's no social media. So it was like you had a movie that came out once a year, maybe two movies, and then you're on TV at the X Games and Big Air events or whatever, US Open, all that shit. And like, that's it. Other than that, you're just filming the whole year or you're doing something. And like, I think the first wave of that was like Wallace, where New Schoolers was like, oh, look at this. Wallace can already do like way more shit than all these pro skiers. And they were like, like kind of anti pro skier. And I was like, well, we just film all year. Like, I mean, when I look back at it, I used to watch TJ when I was in, I went to Plymouth State University for a year and I would just watch TJ's section from like, I think it was X equals 10 or whatever you call it, 10. And um, like, I was like, how do they like, they film all year so you don't get to see the shit that they do, like the pro skiers do until it like comes out in a movie the next year. Yeah. And so then when Wallace hit it in the right spot, plus he's a fucking god on skis. So it's like, he just happened to be at that time when he could put videos out and do things like that. And it was so, he just blew up huge where it's like, people were like, why the fuck does Simon deserve to be on such a big company like target? And then when Wallace <laughs> signs with AT&T or Verizon, they're like, yeah, go Wallace. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's because people like, don't like Simon out of the gate for whatever reason. Like no, it no, seems were, like I mean, the, 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 like, it's not really a backlash, but it's something that I felt, which was like, it was like that, we were sort of the established pro skiers that did just the filming every year. It kind of like, it, I think they had like animosity towards that. I, I just gave Simon as an example, but yeah, it was yeah. like, I mean, I get that he, like the, I used to call Wallace the people's skier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's just, it just was like, but so now he's like the him. clean cut, like on, like on the mic at the Olympics and he's fucking killing it. But it's, it's just interesting to see how it's kind of changed. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, it was a lot easier to make money because no one could tell exactly how much product you were selling. <laughs> yeah, now everybody has metrics for everything, but it's I don't know though. Like, how how do you gauge that then? Like, you just guess a number. Like, how do you, for for you example? Like, were you like, oh, I think I'm worth twenty grand this year for to a ski sponsor, well, right? We would, well, yeah, kind of, but I mean, it depends how much shit you're doing, all those different things. I don't, I can't really. Actually, it's a kind of a good question because it was like, it kind of goes up incrementally. So as you're getting more and you're getting more medals and doing more things, it just, it's more like an incremental thing. So say you're making like five grand. Like I think my first year with vocal, I had like was five grand with vocal. And then the next year I'm like, look, I got a medal at X games and I'm going to keep going. Like I'd rather, I want to raise it to like 10. And they're like, yeah, okay. And then another company makes an offer and they're like, Hey, we'll pay you 30 grand. So then you're like, okay. So yeah. just, it just goes incrementally all the way up. Yeah. I think it's, it I honestly, continue. I don't know if it's that different now though. I think people just don't know. And I like, I use Kyle as an example because I think sometimes you just don't have the information, right? Because it's not out there. So you had the opportunity to like go and get offers from people, right? I, I don't know that currently it's that much different because people just get thrown money at them and they don't really go shopping yeah. as much as they used to. They just take the offers that are kind of coming into them so that they can start funding right. it quicker. It feels like versus like, it seemed like 10, 15 years ago, people were willing to like live in their car, like fucking grind, make it worth it. And now it's like the first check you can get, take the check 
and like kind of be happy and be grateful for it, you know? Well, which, the, I mean, which is dumb. I, I don't car. like that, but too. But I mean, I, I live in my car too. But like, I think, I guess what I don't see much of a difference. I think what you're talking about is just like you kind of, in order to be like a pro skier back before, like way before, it's like you actually had to be pretty good at business. You couldn't just be good at just the sport. You had yeah. to be good at like schmoozing with people. And I don't mean schmoozing, I just mean like throwing down and shit like that. And also like you had to be thinking about like, well, like I put together like a spreadsheet of like, here's how much I spent like last year. I spent like $6,000. I need like at least that. Right. And then you try to find and source it from different sponsors. So you get like a couple grand there or a couple grand there or whatever. And right. so you have to have at least a little bit of a business set, uh, sense of what you're doing. Either that or just if parents have a lot of money. That's a super helpful way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me find some of those real quick. <laughs> that seems yeah. that seems like the easiest route to success in skiing anyway. Um, can I ask you, like, what – when I, I talked to Friedel Cody a little while ago, and I was like, is there anything I should ask Colby? And he was like, first of all, we should tell him that My Friends a Pro still holds up as one of the best comedic ski bits of all time uh, to this day. Um, so props to that. And I agree. Um, but he also wanted to know, like, you always have, it seems like you always have this, like, something to prove mentality. What What is that about? Do you feel like that's true? Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I did a lot, especially when I was working with Friedel. I just, um, I never felt like I fit in with skiing. I always felt like kind of an outsider because I started so late. Like I started when I was, I started skiing, skiing when I was 13. My parents don't ski. And I just like really, really liked it. And it was right around that time when, you know, like 13 in the game and all that stuff. And so I progressed really quickly. And so I always kind of, because I mean, even at the end of when I was competing and stuff, I was like talking to TJ about. It. I was like, "Oh, I don't. I'm not enjoying this. Like, it feels like I have to. If I go, went out and skied, it would feel like I had to do either a new trick or like the gnarliest trick that I had in my quiver of tricks, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Otherwise, it felt like a waste of a day. So, like, mm. the enjoyment was progressing within it. So and getting better so as soon as i kind of stopped getting better it was like i'm not enjoying this and tj was like well just go skiing like you did when you were little like when you went on vacation with your family i'm like i didn't do that i didn't yeah right <laughs> I've only, right i've only done done this so yeah frito's definitely right i mean i've what well, fucking hope i've come a long way with like my interaction with people in that way because man i just felt so out of place like but I wanted to be part of it, but I wasn't like, I don't, and I don't smoke weed. And like when I was younger, I didn't drink or anything. And it was not, it was just, I just wasn't really into it. So I like mixing into that crowd of what do you do when you go skiing? You get fucking drunk and you smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a way different thing for me, but, um, yeah. Was that part, was that part weird for you? Like, because that is part of the culture in skiing that's like for some reason got ingrained into what everybody does is like they go smoke weed they drink they party like that's that's part of the bit like when you talk about going skiing was yeah. was that weird like not really being into that no it wasn't weird it certainly made me uh it certainly helped me progress a lot faster like 
Because <laughs> everybody else is hung, hung over and fucking high as a kite. Yeah. <laughs> but like the um that reminds like when I went to summer camp in Worcester to High North Ski Camp and I became a digger when I was seventeen and all the diggers, you know, that's just like they just get ripped and like I didn't really drink or whatever and I just wanted to go skiing and hang out and stuff and so they'd all party their asses off on the day before the day off, like the night before the day off. Right. We'd go to sushi and do all that. And then the next morning, as I was living in my car at the time, the next morning I would go to the digger house and I would collect in a bag all of the cans and bottles and everything. And I would bring them to the recycling. And in Canada, they pay you back big for that. Give me 20 bucks. And that was like food for the next like two days. <laughs> what the fuck? But then also we get to the hill and I'm like, hey guys, how was it? They're like, fuck. <laughs> that's got to be great though. That Like that's got to be a nice feeling. Yeah. So like the being around, it didn't bother me at all. And I can certainly party without drinking. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned before, I'm pretty shy. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Obviously. I just got a tour of your house before we did the interview. Hi, here's a tour of my house. This is how Colby. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my house. I, it's fucking sick, dude. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even show you this part. There's, I got Iceman over there. Did you see him? Oh, shit. Yeah, and some gas masks and stuff. Fuck. Fuck. There's New Zealand flag right there. Um, This coaster show the, 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 the fan, the people. <laughs> Just show the people. Show the people on the internet. Show um, the internet. Do you like? Are you? Do you have fun skiing now? Like, do you have any interest in just like going and making turns or like skiing pow? Is like that? Is that a thing that's like even remotely? It it's coming back. I the other day I was in Aspen for uh, X Games and um, ran into Char Char. Um, you know, um, Charlie Lasser. Um, Charlie's like one of my really good buddies from skiing actually we like the most we hung out was in whistler we had this party our room was a party room so like once the bar closed everybody knew we every day we'd buy a flat of 24 beers and a bottle of either gin or whiskey and it would be gone the next day and we have to go buy two i think we were we were up to like two two bottles of gin a day we were buying that people just come to our house and fucking or whiskey or whatever and just that just our door was just always open it was me and charlie and chris logan CeeLo and Joss was in there, Christensen. And it was like, even like the director of the camp would like come in and be like, guys, we're getting noise complaints, but give me a shot first. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I went up and in Aspen and I was like, Charlie, I think I'm, I'm going to go, you want to go skiing? He's like, fuck yeah. And Charlie's from there. So he's like, just, um, it was just great to go back and ski with Charlie because he knows the whole mountain. We didn't we just hit a little baby park or whatever. And then we like skiing down that main, I guess, is it Ajax? What's the one that's like right there in town where they're gone? Is that just Aspen Mountain? Snowmass, yeah. I think. No, not Snowmass. Aspen, I think. I have no clue. Whatever. I've, like been, I've been to one and it's Snowmass. It was like really fun. I had a fucking fantastic time. And um, there was one where coming down and I haven't like done a lot of jumping or hit like things or whatever and charlie's like you want to do something fun and i was like sure he goes follow me and we just start like tucking to go down this thing and, this. <laughs> and he got he turns back and he goes don't be scared i was like okay <laughs> and we just go through the trees and then it just dropped off into a mogul field and we must have launched like 50 feet down into the moguls and i was like 
as soon as like my gut dropped out, I think legit in the air, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, this is <laughs> fucking tight. Oh, so that was fucking awesome. Cause it's like remembering how to be like trusting yourself on skis. Cause you're going to ski for a while. You're like fucking yeah. screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly like riding a bike. It's fucking a lot weirder. No, it is. It's, I mean, the only thing that I, I've actually had dreams recently about is not knowing the speed of jumps because like oh like undershooting or overshooting yeah so like i mean i used to like (laughs) guinea pig like 80 90 100 foot jumps and like i'd be like yeah that seems about right speed (laughs) and then like now like to hit like a little one i'm like how fucking fast am i supposed to go into this i like forgot how to do it so it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) just getting that back is like okay yeah i like i i have no concept of that at all like no ability to judge that and even like i was watching the women's uh big air event last night and they're like all over the map like where people are landing and i'm just like fuck dude this must be like one of the harder things in competition to figure out is is how to actually figure out how much speed you need from the top especially in a venue like that like you're near I don't know what the fuck those things are, but everybody's been calling them nu- nuclear reactors, basically, in the background of this fucking venue. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I have no no concept. Like, it's it's got to be one of the harder parts, I'd imagine. Well, it's more like, um, that's just like repetition. It's like when you go to get on the highway when you first got your license in your car, and you're, like, terrified. You're like, okay, blinker, and you're, like, looking in your mirror, and then look behind you, and you don't know how fast you go. You're going, like, 35, and you're, like, fuck, and you're, like, trying to merge and doing all that. And now it's, like, when you get on the highway, you're, like, eating a piece of pizza and texting, and you're, like, yeah, we're good, and just pull over there, you know? Yeah. So, like, the, just the repetition of it, like, you don't, you're not, no one's going to start in a fucking 90-foot jump. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you, 90-foot jump, I think between... 75 and 90 is like the perfect size. 100 is a bit big. For fucking like, who? <laughs> for who? Like, you, just for you. Yep, for me. Yeah. Yep, just for me. <laughs> like, I wish I could, like, give this one. Like, I wish I could, like, give you the feeling of what that is. Like, a 90 foot jump that's built perfectly is like. Remember the first time we went to Yoon's event? It's just like, holy shit. Like, it's. You could have, you could have, like, taken off and then done, like, just a swan dive and like penguin slid on your belly and been totally fine. Like yeah. the transition matchup was like perfect. That was like, no one was building jumps that good. And he just like made it perfect. I, yeah, I've never understood. Like I'm, I'm 27. So like he's not well, you're old as fuck. Yeah. I'm old as fuck. I, <laughs> I don't understand him at all like because when i started watching ski stuff he was in it and then he like it felt like he just disappeared and now he's like on yachts and boats and i don't understand what he does at all other well, than like i can tell you i was like like so he lived in monaco for a while like you know tax haven place yeah. down there and um he had a lambo i remember when he got his first lambo it was like a yellow one and uh we were down there for a shoot and he was on the phone speaking swedish <laughs> And he gets off. He's like, "Fuck!" And I was like, "What was that?" He's like, "This is my mom. She said my bank account's overdrawn by thirty thousand euros." And I was like, "Jesus, dude! Like, how the fuck? How the fuck do you even do that?" Yeah. And he goes, "I guess I gotta call some sponsors and send in some invoices." And I was like, "Well, like, what is this mentality?" And his parents, remember, he told me his his parents, like his dad, would end every email with "Go, go, go." 
and like they just pushed him, gave full support on everything that 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 he would do. And he said, he was like, I mean, if by the time this is when he was probably your age or a little younger, but he was like, by the time I'm thirty, if I like end up having to work at McDonald's, at least I will have lived in Monaco and had a Lamborghini. It's like that's fucking yeah. valid. That's valid. Yeah. yeah. And so I like that stuck with me a little bit. I mean, it definitely stuck with me. It's just like the the balls, I guess you could say, like the gall to just no. Every single penny that he made went into his image and his thing that he's doing, and like doing the next thing that people were going to look at. So he, uh, yeah, he's an interesting cat. But I don't know if that helps explain it at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't help me understand him literally. I mean, it kind of helps understand him at all. He's, I always, first of all, like growing up, the first time I saw a picture of his Lamborghini, I thought it was fake. Like he's just, he just rented one. Like it's one of those situations where you're like, you're in a fancy town, you just rent a Lamborghini. And uh, yeah, but now I get it. I understand. Yeah. So he, yeah, he just like everything that, every, everything that he had, he would just put right back into that. I think that he's, Super logical. Hold on, I gotta get my ice cream. I forgot I brought it in the garage and I don't want it to melt. There we go. All right. <clears throat> um, so, uh, like, he's super smart and is able to like logicalize everything that happens. So, like, I think because he started out ski racing and he was enjoying jumping and that stuff, but I think that he saw an easier path going with the freestyle side of things. Mm. And this is me just guessing, but like it would totally make sense to me that he'd be like, well, that's not going to really work. I'm not going to be a pro ski racer and not going to the Olympics or any of that stuff. But like this is working. People want to shoot with me in that. And so he just taking that path like he's Mr. Safety. Like he didn't he like never got injured, like never got seriously injured. Mm. And I didn't have any major injuries either. Like I haven't even broken any bones or anything like Broke my thumb one time. When I was Never. That's it. Like, no, I have some concussions, but and I, I just my collarbone popped out here, but like nothing crazy. Like didn't blow my knees, didn't break my back, didn't. Like Simon just got crumpled into a little ball and then put back together. <laughs> same with same with Jossie. Like they just. They and just, Tanner like, and fucking everybody that was like in that. It seems like. Uh huh. And you never got injured, like nothing. I think he blew his knee like years and years after he was like big time, but mm. yeah, I mean, he's just like very calculated and if he sees a path that goes forward, he just has the nuts to just go for it. Good for him. So the Lambo's real, all that shit's real. So he is. And he just, yep. So he is. Fuck. Um, mm -hmm. any interest in fuck a, right. uh, go ahead. No, you go. I said, fuck is right. Yeah. <laughs> um, any interest in a uh, Simon Dumont style comeback for you? Um, funny you should mention that. Um, I was at that X Games and um, this girl Mo I met there. She Mitchell. I don't know what her last name is. Oh, like she got like a um, nose ring and brown hair. So far, I, I don't remember. Yeah, All right, cool. Yeah, sick. No, no, no. That's good. She, <laughs> this will be really good. Did she used to like be. A, did she used to be a racer? 
Probably. I don't know. I know less information than you. I just did ski test with her once. Oh, oh, she she was wonderful. Very bubbly. But we took some laps together and she was just like filming. She was like, you have to make my friend as a pro too. Oh. And I was like, what? What, what do we call it? My friend was a pro. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to happen. But also, you know, Scott Gaffney from yeah. um, MSP, he, I did a voiceover for them for the movie that just came out. And, and he, um, he was like, dude, do you want to make my friend as a pro too with me? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I just have to like have a good idea, you know, and I'd want to involve John, but John now has six kids and he's a surgeon. So it's like, uh, I guess we could just get a shot of him like cameo styles. I don't know, but I don't even know if he would have interest in doing, in doing it, but I think I kind of, I kind of do like the idea of it, but it seems it's like, there's so many pieces to that of like, well, where would it go online and like all that shit? Like the the, the yeah. original video we made in like those nine days in in Sweden and Norway for Yoon's thing. So like that was for a specific like purpose. But with this, it would just be like just to make it. And it's like yeah, but that's everything yeah. on the fucking internet now is just to make it. Yeah, I don't. I would also want it to be better than the first one, and that that is is intensely hard to accomplish. Yeah, that's a hard ask. I'm sure it's doable, though. I mean, you just you have current tech. There's a lot more shit you can put into it. I mean, I don't know. People are creative, right? I mean, I don't fucking know. Yeah, people are creative, but I ain't got no money for that now. Yeah, like pitch it to fucking. We gotta have places, places to shoot. We gotta have all that shit. Yeah, but I can't imagine that's that hard. I feel like people throw money at nostalgic shit more than they throw money at anything else. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, people would be, people would throw you money for that. Like, you could get that funded in 24 hours. I think, like, I really believe that. All right. Send me a proposal, dog. All right. Fucking. <laughs> I will send you everybody I know that is interested in fucking putting, well, just like compile and everything that you've done, which actually, by the way, you have a very good website for what I expected. I was expecting to go to your website and not have any information, but you've got like, it's all cleaned up. It's nice. It's in language that sounds like you wrote it. It like it's uh it's great. I was actually very appreciative because sometimes I do these interviews and go do research and it's like it's basically like the person doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would figure Instagram would be good for that, but I haven't been doing a lot of Instagram lately. Instagram's hard. It's so stupid with the algorithms and shit. Like, Jersey's like, bro, you got to get your fucking following up, and I'm like, dude, how? Do you, you care? Tell me how you want me to post? Can we post what? You care? I mean, if I want to make money off of it, yeah. But you can't <laughs> really do that. Like, it's like, it's just they change the algorithms. That they're they're aimed towards like normies, like just people that are like wanting to do that as like if it's your persona in your business. They're aiming at people who want to get likes and do things. But the viral like wild west of that shit is way long gone. So it's like they're they only they limit you to. They, they, they don't, you don't even know, you don't even know who they're showing you to like, and they know what's in the content. They can see it. They go puts through the algorithm, even like the faces and the things like they just fully like, just do whatever they want with it. Like, I mean, I put video even on YouTube, put some videos up on YouTube and I have like, I don't know, like 900 followers or something on there. And I got like 
45 views and i was like how is this yeah possible it, it, it's not, fucking not hard I, not that i gave a shit about like the that number but that just seems so strange to me that you'd like have that many followers like i have like seven thousand something on instagram and you put something up and it gets seen by 100 people and you're like what what happened how, to the other how, yeah yeah and not out of, uh, that i'm not like oh boom we only got 100 views but then they try are they trying to like make you work harder or more or whatever it's just too much yeah. like this is just, just fucking unknown. Like, no one knows what the fuck Instagram's doing over there. Like, what yeah. the Facebook's doing, what they do. Like, you can't, you, you couldn't even create a business school around it, I don't think, because it fucking changes all the time. There's only one purpose to those things, and that's like to gather information about shit. So they don't give a fuck if things go viral. They want to, like, sell ads. So, yeah. I don't know. It's fucking I, hard. I mean, they want, like, shareables, I think, right? Like, that's how we've done really well is like, you make shit that people want to send their friends, right? Like, they don't give a, if it's just like a picture of me and it's like really wholesome, whatever, whatever, did this interview. Like, if I post this interview and I'm like, oh, me and Colby had a really good chat. Hope you guys listen. It'll get 45 likes. Okay. Yeah. But if we like fucking clip out like you getting ice cream over something at like and do some shit like that, like for some reason that will get shared and that, like, that's how it fucking, that's how the algorithm works. I, I think. I yeah. don't know. It changes every fucking 30 seconds and it's so hard to do. And it does, but at the same time, they, they like, what does that, what does that do though? It just makes people want to do more and more extreme, crazy shit. Like you remember those TikTok? Oh, it makes idiots. Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to ask they you about. Like, they just go like way ham. What was the one vine with that one? They, it's vine again. TikTok is vine 2.0. Mm-hmm. But like, they like changing the way that people like interact with the world because they want to do something more and more extreme it's like what the <laughs> yeah well i don't know though i like to the same point like i was talking to spain the other day he was just on sports center for like literally just dropping in to corbett's but he also has a video of him hitting pyramid gap like in 720 and pyramid gap on pin bindings that got like Woo. 45 views or something you know so it's like it, <laughs> sports center picks up like the thing that you know 50% of skiers can do. Oh, right. was it the one where he like says, excuse me, guys? He's like, excuse me. This. And that's like the whole reason it got posted was because he's like, excuse me. Fucking everybody. Oh, that's, a, that's a good point, actually, because that's like relatable. You watch him hit Chad's gap and do that shit. No normal human knows what the fuck's going on there. They think of right. that as something on the upper echelon. So if you have it just above their threshold, yeah of what they are capable of or a little bit farther than that like people consider like people in the olympics to be like almost like godlike status like man wouldn't that be cool to be an olympic athlete like yeah they don't associate that with themselves you know yeah but i don't think people realize how close olympic athletes are to like pro skiers are the most normal people like they're the most normal pro athletes i think that exists, right? You can just talk to them. They're in your towns. They're just skiing the same lifts as you are. They're like, in so many ways, they're the most accessible athletes that are around other than like professional fucking bowlers. Right. Like for people that are the people that people actually care about skiers and snowboarders are accessible as shit. Right. It's not like we're talking about yeah. LeBron James or, you know, NBA, like NFL players or any of these people. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah. I guess they're more, because it's, it's way smaller but i just think with the 
what you were talking about, like the reason. Uh, yeah, I stick by what I said. Like the shit that you can do on skis is like crazy big, huge, but like no one can do that. Like people can barely pizza down a mountain. Yeah. So like, there's little echelons for it. So like, a lot of times if I was like, someone says, "What do you do?" I'd be like, "I'm a pro skier." And they're like, "Oh, what mountain?" And I'm like, "All." Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's not like I'm like. They're like, "Oh, are you? Do you coach?" And you're like, "I mean, kind of. We get drunk in Whistler every summer." Yeah. But no, <laughs> like they don't understand like the levels of the thing that it is. It's like a they can't get there. So it's like. Or are you like you're a pro skier, so you're like you you're like a ski patrol. Like no, no, not that either. Yeah. It's like there's just so many tiers to it, and so the majority of people can't even fathom doing what Kyle did off that little clip. Right. It's like that's the majority of people. That's why it goes viral. Because if you show fucking Travis Rice doing a fucking double backflip off some fucking ridiculous cliff and getting a helicopter, that's fantasy land. No one, no one. Yeah, relate to that you'd have to be at least a little bit good at snowboarding or good at the sport to even get close to that like to even close to understanding what it is that like kyle did over fucking chad's gap yeah <laughs> yeah which is why it, i don't know which is why it's important to have people like tom in the booth at, at events like the olympics right because he's fucking explaining it like bit by bit, he's like, "This is why they land switch. This is why it's harder to land switch. This is yeah. why like the judges are granting for amplitude or whatever the fuck word he uses." It's like that stuff is important. That's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you. Is that something that you have any interest in? I've announced the X Games. Tom took over for me. I know, but I mean, like, is that a thing that you want to do now? Still, like, is that like, do you care about that side of things? I'm announcing? Yeah. No, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate it, man. It's so, it's, I mean, obviously I like, you know, it, it's a, like, it's, I guess you could say like a thankless job. If you fuck it up, you get so, people just get so mad or like, man, you really fucked that up. And if you do a killer job and you're perfect, you're like, how was that? People are like, yeah, yeah, that's good. It's I like, didn't notice you were there. No, yeah. Yeah. There's no reward except what, like, like the money like yeah. i like to like entertain people and have people i like it when people react in a way that's like man this, that's fucking awesome yeah you know like something like that or like something that's impressive and like i'm not saying i don't have the ability to do that but like it's really fucking stressful it's like yeah you just have to keep talking and like i got fired one time from a job because we were just warming up on the mic. I think it was a do tour or something. We were like warming up and just chatting, making sure everything's going all right before I like pipe during that, that day or whatever. And the other anchor dude, he said something like, he was like, I was like, well, what have you been doing? He's like, oh, I just got back from Dubai. And I was like, oh, doing the whole tourism thing. Hey. And he, and he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And someone in the lift apparently thought I said the whole terrorism thing. Ooh. <laughs> oh. And so, at the end of the thing, they were like, we're going to go a different direction. And I was like, whoa, what happened? Would, <laughs> can you tell me what happened? Because I would like to know what I did wrong here. When someone said, said the whole terrorism thing. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like, I don't even joke about that shit, like, not on a microphone. Why would I say that? Like, what the fuck? And she just like, the chances of doing it well are like, like, I don't know. It's like 50-50 whether you're going to do a good job or not. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, it's fucking terrifying to me. Like, this is fine. Like, because there's so it's so long. If you fuck up, people don't notice. Like, I'm convinced people yeah. don't even listen. It, yeah. But that live where everybody's, especially like the Twitter people, are all over these fucking events because they're just on it as soon as it's going. And myself included, I'm just like shitting on binding companies and like talking about like whatever the fuck like while it's going on. So it's it you know people are engaging with it versus something like this. You could just I don't know. If you said something terrible, you can take it out, right? Yeah. So hold on, someone's texting me. Um so <clears throat> why what do you why are you, are you focused on bindings a lot? I, I was just I, that's what I did last night was shit on uh marker. Uh, because uh, like five people in a row like pre ejected out of their bindings. I'm not focused on bindings like that's not my like I'm not tunnel visioned into bindings, but yeah. Well, I watched some of your other ones, and you're asking them, like... Oh, about DIN what's settings. Your, what's your, your DIN setting? Yeah. yeah, I'd like to know what yours is, too. And the reason I did that is because fucking Eileen Gu is skiing, like, a basically, like, a low-end binding. She's skiing a marker squire, right? And to me, mm-hmm. I work in a shop, like, I'm like, this is who we sell, like, low-performance bindings to. And if the chick that is, like, winning everything is skiing on a low-performance binding, why does anybody else need... A bigger bunch, right? Like it's just like I, it just like didn't make sense to my head. And then she started blowing up in it yesterday, and I was like, okay, all right, never mind. I take back everything I said. But it's also yeah, like binding. a flex in skiing. It's like people are like, oh, because again, I work in a shop. Kids are like, oh, can I have my dinner at fourteen? And I'm like, you're gonna fucking blow your knees to smithereens. Well, I have thoughts on on you ski shop people. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? I want to hear these. Well, like let's get a little brighter in here. Um, well, not you, ski shop people. What do you mean, you people? What? Um, <laughs> it's like, I mean, when I was younger, you go into a shop and they're like, "You're gonna want this binding and these skis, and you're yeah, gonna yeah, want yeah. you don't that's gonna fit you there and whatever." And then when I started getting like better at skiing, like I knew exactly what I needed for like my bindings and stuff, and like they won't you. you they're trying to upsell you, and I've had so many times in like a diff at a different mountain or like a different place, and and they'll be like, I'll be like, just crank the dins all the way up, and they're like, I can't like legally let you get out of here. I'm like, then give me the fucking screwdriver, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Because, but, but it's different for you than it is for some fucking turkey. Like that's the thing. Yes, it's like it, <laughs> yes, it, it it is. It's just like the and I understand the liability parts of that. Like with with. Being that, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I don't have shit against ski shops or people at ski shops. It was just. I wish you did. I wish it was heavier. If than I had to go this. to a ski shop. It was gonna be like, okay, let's get this over with. <laughs> I you wish it mean? was heavier than this. I wish you had heavier beef with ski shops than this, because this is like a non. I get it. For you, it it shouldn't matter. If anybody in a ski shop is giving you or Wallish or any professional or even like kids that are like at MSA, they crank their dins or whatever the fuck they want, and that's fine. I don't care about that. But what I care about is, like, for example, we had a guy two days ago, literally two days ago, got some big-ass skis that we were like, this is a bad idea. And then he was like, all right, I want my dins at 10. And we were like, this is a bad idea. It's like, sign the form. And he's fucking 70, right? Yeah. Goes out, first run, breaks his tibia. Like, yeah. And then the wife is calling and is like, I need all the paperwork and I need all the signature. Like, And I'm like... This is exactly why we don't fucking deal with this shit, you know? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, I would like to change my way. <laughs> that was just my, that's my experience. For you. It, I can absolutely see 
you can absolutely see people going to a ski shop that don't have any clue what they're doing. It would be a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, envy you. Yeah. I, it, and again, I'm like, I'm moving out of it pretty soon. I won't be in the shop at all. Um, but it is a fucking thing. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Not every kid needs to be on a look pivot 18. That's my, that's my only point. Like 110 pound Johnny does not need to rip a pivot 18 with a minimum din of like 10. They're going to fucking blow to the moon. And then I don't know, just cause you yeah. have mommy's money to buy the nice binding doesn't mean you should. I, um, I used to use when I was sponsored by Mark, I used to use the, the race stock bindings, like the 20 <laughs> din. Yeah. Yeah. Just a crank. And it happens not full cranked up but my i had to just put the dins on as pretty much high as it would because at that level again this is not it's not as i want we're speaking in the pro skier sense not those, those people i absolutely understand that the din is an important factor but we would just break skis instead like this key would break before a leg would break yeah so like yeah i have some like i've broken there was one time we went to I was at X Games. I think it was my second time there. Maybe it was my first time, actually. No, second time. And we were in the pipe, we went to go to practice, and I skied down, just did a straight run, and did like a cork nine at the bottom or something, and my ski snapped. And I was like, fuck. So I go down a mountain new pair. I'm waiting there. I'm missing out on practice. Go down, ski down through, snap another ski. And I was like, dude, something's wrong with these fucking skis. Like, I think you're missing a layer or something. And so then they're like, <laughs> I always had my skis every time. Every time that I would get my skis mounted, I'd get them helicoiled to start with. Yeah. So like, so they don't fucking pull out. Yeah. And uh, and then I went down. And I broke another set. And I broke five skis before, and I got one run of practice where I didn't break a ski. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm skiing on last year's skis. And the team manager is like, well, we we need you to ski on like next year's skis or whatever. And I was like, I can't. Do you want me on the podium or do you want me to ski on next year's skis? And he was like, all right. So I was like, I'll hold him up on the podium if you want, but I can't do anything with this. Yeah. And so I skied on my last year's skis, and then I held him up next year's on the podium. That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. But it turned out, it turned out they, like, talked to the, like, the factory, and they were missing a fucking layer. And I was like, <laughs> am I? Like, I fucking told R&D you. here? Like, I'm R&D. We're, like, at the X Games, and I'm, like, doing R&D for you guys? Come on. Uh, and not getting paid for R and D, by the way. Um, no, no, the opposite. Potentially <laughs> fucking breaking my face open because doing R and D. But I went to the. I was sponsored by Vocal and Marker Technica Vocal. Technica was the fucking dopest sponsor, by the way. But um, why? Because they paid money and they didn't require stickers or anything. They just gave you boots and fucking just. And that's the boots. sticker. Yeah. Yeah, and. It was dope because like they knew my wide feet, so they knew what my boot was. So they'd send it to the tech who knew my foot, and then he'd bring it to me. <laughs> and it was done. Just, yeah, exactly. It was a baller shit. But anyway, Marker, I went to the factory in Germany, and we're like doing a tour, and they bring us to like the room with like all the finished shit or whatever, and we're in there, and the guy's like, "Yeah, you can have whatever you want. You know, like pick out some things that you want." And I was like, "I want that." And it was a jig for the binding. <laughs> Give me that fucker. I don't think I still have it anymore, but that was like godsend because I just could just do it myself instead of going and dealing with It's not hard. People think it's like fucking some crazy shit. You're just like, it's like drilling holes into anything. If you blow them out, they're not going to hold. If you don't blow them out, they're fine. Just put it yeah. in the right place. 
Yeah. It's uh, it's not anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's a fucking weird. Yeah, bindings are. They did you, They originally <laughs> corrupt. They had like the this this. What the fuck? These were like from the. What's that? What the fuck happened with corrupt? Oh, I have no idea, but um, it was fun. Well, while I was on there with TJ and Gus and Dory and all those guys, it was really fun. Gerlon. but like you know, it's like sometimes like there's like a language barrier for like the euros, like. Yeah, they think something like you named his company douchebag, and you're like, I mean, a douchebag is a real thing, man, and it's. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that you want to name your company. That's like, no, it's funny and cool, and I'm like, a douchebag is something was... used to. Okay, just don't do it, man. It's not a good. How did that pass? Like, that's my question. Is like, how did that make Europe, it this man. far? Europe. And now it's they renamed it as DB Equipment. Like, what does DB stand yeah. for? Like, also, did you know POC stands for piece of cake? Like, what the fuck is, like, what is this naming situation going on with all these Euro companies? The Swedes and, like, corrupt, pretty funny as well. But they, when they had their bindings, I think they were modeled them off the look binding or whatever. So they had the, you know, like the giant thing in the back that sticks up. And they were, like, trying to come up with names. They're talking to me. I think it was me and TJ or something. And they're like, uh, we want to, we want to call it the the dildo, and we were like, uh, no, no, like, no, it's funny, man, because it's like shaped like a dildo. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's uh, that's a bad name. Don't do that. That's a bad name. I I appreciate a sense of humor, man. Like, name it something funny, sure, but like, it doesn't really translate that well. You can sell three. Yeah, and like. Sure, but yeah, that's what I mean by the language barrier. <laughs> oh man, I wish they put that out. Douchebags and douchebags and dildos, and they just <laughs> okay, great. And they're just like, this is our new business model. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> fucking. It's, that's yeah, it's something else. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, it, I don't know how most of that shit just passes and moves. On. Like it, it just doesn't. Fucking Europe, man. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, I guess not. It's true. It's true. Even like we work with Fisher and every time I have a conversation with them, I'm like trying to explain like what we do. And it's like, I think they still think that we host a radio show. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little, it's kind of a radio show, but it's different. It's like not, uh, not quite, not quite that. Yeah. It's like kind of in a different category. Um, But yeah, what I think um, what, first of all, I heard you ran into Cody Townsend uh, randomly in alaska is that right yeah i was shit faced though (laughs) is that my buddy's bar there he's got the pioneer bar my buddy mikey owns it was for his wedding and i was just like going to a fucking wedding i'm like yeah oh my god cody hi he's like hey man you okay i'm like yeah i'm at a wedding (laughs) i don't even know if we had a good conversation but i really like that guy he was always so enthused it was so funny like like i remember like one of the first times, actually, the first movie I was in, I was like 19 or something when I was in the MSP film, maybe a 20. You know, Bushfield? Yeah. Shenanigans, Bushy, like just crazy motherfucker. He was like, I don't have to tell the full story. It's a good story, but. You can tell uh, the full story. All right, well, <laughs> Rory, I'm like, we like hand out swag and or sign autographs and shit, and then I go to the back of the theater, like sit down to like watch the movie, and then Rory comes up behind me, he's like, hey, Westerly the fuck are you doing man and i was like <laughs> i was gonna watch the 
watch the film. He's like, you're fucking in it, dude. Why the fuck do you need to watch it? You know what you did. I'm like, I was going to watch it. Oh, okay. So like, <laughs> he's like, let's go do something else. It's New York City, man. I've never fucking been here before, bro. Let's do something fun. I was like, okay. So we go outside and we're like walking down the street and he sees this scaffolding that they're like fixing this building. He's like, let's fucking go up there. See if we can get on the roof. And I was like, yeah, okay. Just like not knowing what a Rory fucking story yeah. is, like what yeah. Rory does. And we climb all the way up the scaffolding. We get to the top and the crown molding on the top of the thing is probably about six feet. And there's a ladder at the top that goes up underneath. Like there's like six foot of ladder. And then it goes up on the roof and Roy's just like, Brrr. and I was like, <laughs> like don't look down, don't fucking look down. Legit hanging. It's like 30 story building. And we're like, had to crawl, like had to climb the ladder like that to get up over the thing. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I can do this. We get to the top and I was like, that was crazy. He's like, dude, we can totally make it to the other roof. So we jump on the other roof and we keep going. And then there's a pretty big one. It's like a six foot jump, which it doesn't seem that big, but like it's a 30 story building. And I was like, all right. So like, just not thinking about it. And um, we get to this one and there's like, no, hold on. My phone's got a little battery. Um, we get to this one, like the final kind of roof thing or whatever and it's like a good eight feet higher than the roof that we're on and it's like 15 feet or like 10 feet probably and i was like well that was fun guess this is as far as we go and rory's just staring at me like looks over and there's like an extension ladder and i was like no nah, i'm no nah, i'm good <laughs> i'm good dog i think i'm just gonna sit this one i'll meet you back uh at the street or whatever and then at that moment like you know those doors that are on top of a building where it's like a curve so it's like the stairs goes right up and you can open whatever the roof access shit yeah, yeah, and yeah. the door busts open and there's this dude and a lady there's a lady in her robe behind like her husband he's holding a golf club because they had like heard us tramping around <laughs> thing and he's like what the fuck are you guys doing up yet he's like what and she's like holding she's holding like one of those like like house remote phones in her hand and Rory's like, oh, sorry, we didn't know we couldn't be up here. And I go, what the? I didn't say it. <laughs> and Rory's like, the fuck? Of course we fucking knew we were here. And he goes, well, we already called the cops. And he goes, oh, come on, man. You guys didn't have to deal. We'll get down now. It's not a big deal. We just didn't know we couldn't be here. And I'm like, Jesus, dude. And I don't know if anybody, if there's anybody that doesn't know Rory, he's handsome as fuck. He, like, gets away with anything. I... And he's charming and handsome. And he's just a fucking maniac. And he's like, we'll just go down now. And uh, they're like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. So we jump back over all the roofs, get back to that thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. And like, I like look over and there's just a cop car that's like circling the building like this, waiting for us to like get off the roof. God. And I was like, shit. And I just hear like, and I turn around, Roy's like lighting up a doobie. <laughs> and I was like, this is like before weed is coach and he's in Canada and we're in New York. And I'm like, Dude, what are you doing? He's like, we're just gonna fucking smoke this dude real quick. Just relax, man. I'm like, I, I don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, what am I supposed to do here? And so I'm just staring at this cop that's just making laps. And I was like, I think we're gonna have to time it. And he's like, yeah, all right. And so we just like, the cop went by once and we like climbed a little too fast, essentially like monkey bars across that ladder down to the other one. <laughs> And then, like, get down to the next level, and then the cops coming again. So we like duck behind the scaffolding, and then we go down two more levels. The cop comes around again. We duck again, and we just drop down and like walk back in the theater. I'm like in the theater, like, okay, now I know to never say yeah. Let's go on adventure to Rory. 
<laughs> Holy shit. That guy's a fucking different breed. Like that guy is like, yeah. is I, I would love to live inside his head for like 30 seconds. And then I don't think yeah, I could stand it's, it anymore. It's, it's crazy. But like, I forgot where I started that story, but Cody the, Townsend. Oh, Cody. So like Cody was like <laughs> way the opposite end. Like he came into MSP after I was already part of filming and stuff. And, I saw him one time we were like at a shoot or something. He goes, Oh dude, how sick was that segment or the, like Hoji segment and last, like the thing I was like, oh, I didn't see it. He's like, you don't watch the movies. I was like, no, no, I don't. I, I kind of stopped watching them when I started being in them. I was just doing instead of, he texted you know, me that something. he was like, he told me I'd get it eventually. And now 10 years later, I, I, I get it now. Does he really get it? Now? That's what he said. That's what he said. Five minutes ago, I texted him before the, or, or I guess an hour ago, whenever I texted him right before this interview and I was like, all right, tell me about it. He's like, I finally get it. It was so nice to have his refreshing, like enthusiasm for it though. Cause I was like, I was like, yeah, maybe I should start watching him again. <laughs> yeah. But now he's like the guy, like he's the guy that everybody wants the attention of. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is well-deserved, but it's insane. Yeah, for sure. He's a fucking wonderful dude. Got a lot more. I don't want to say positivity than me but he seems like he's got way less angst than i do like he got anxiety like i have to like Friedel was talking about i gotta like keep pushing forward and doing and doing and he seems like he's just enjoying the shit out of it yeah i think he's just having a good time i don't know yeah. maybe he's having a terrible time i mean people are good at hiding things these days yeah, maybe he's having a terrible time who, who freaking knows you know yeah how about you are you having a good time like what's your what's your situation what do you want to do next like what's what do you set goals for yourself like i ask this question a lot because I think it's an easy question to ask. But do you set goals for your year? Do you just, like, take what comes to you? Like, are you go, go, go? COVID kind of fucked all that up, really. But um, right before COVID, I I filmed a series about, with Monster, I filmed a series about building a drift car. So that's a drift car I showed you earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I have a, a bunch of episodes of that. we got to kind of finish the car, but... COVID happened and then like some shit happened with the production company and stuff like that. So like it hasn't been released yet. And then, uh, that was what I was working on before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, I was kind of like, okay. So I wrote a movie about, um, like I wrote a script. It's, I don't have a name for it, but it's basically like about, um, how I became a pro skier. So, but in like a, more like a fun way you know like it's i basically took like from when i lived in my car to like my first time at x games i got a medal i got third place the first time i got there but like it took about two years of that living in my car and doing that stuff to get to be in x games and so in that two year span i basically in the movie just crammed all of the most interesting things that happened and so it's the movie seems like it takes place over like the course of two weeks but it's really two years that it took place in but yeah um it's like when i first met jossie when he was like i remember seeing jossie and byron when they were little i was like they had this like long blonde hair sticking out i was like jesus those little girls are better than i am (laughs) i thought they were little girls because they just had their blonde (laughs) and they were like this big like so tiny i'm like who are those little girls they're like hey man how's it going you're like this is weird fucking (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's amazing! But, um, so that's what I did. I wrote, wrote a movie and then um, wrote some other stuff, and just been, just been 
doing shit really i learned how to play piano so i can play piano now. you want me to play your song <laughs> yeah, during the pandemic you learned how to play piano no that was i started before the pandemic but like i just did a lot actually during the pandemic i had a girlfriend during the pandemic and we were in my garage here and um i got a keyboard here in the garage it was like nine o'clock at night and everything's fucking locked down i live in like basically an amphitheater so i live in this tiny house it's like an original house in Hermosa. Yeah. but then it's just apartment buildings on all sides yeah. and so there's like there's one there 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 all around it's actually pretty private for me anyway there's like some bamboo and trees and shit but we were in the garage hanging out it's like nine o'clock at night this is when the streets were dead like i got a picture at like noon on like a wednesday on like in the middle of la I took a picture there's not a single fucking car person anywhere in the middle of the lockdown. It was crazy. So anyway, I was like, the song came on the radio or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I know how to play this on the piano. And my girlfriend was like, I didn't really know how to play this song. And I was like, yeah, let me show you. So I pulled up my keyboard and I played it, tried to be a little quiet. And then I hear from that apartment that's like right there. This guy goes, well, don't stop now. My wife loves it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, played another song. He says, thanks. And then back behind over here in the garage, this girl goes, can you play um do you know how to play and i was like yeah i could try and then after that like i played that one and then the other guy another guy goes hey i got a bunch of wine up here do you think it's coach if we just come sit in your driveway like six feet apart and you can we can just you can play <laughs> some music and i was like sure that sounds great you just stand six feet apart put a mask on whatever and so i played a little like impromptu concert on <laughs> This is the kind of shit, by the way, like, I love how real that is, and I love how, like, in the moment it is, but this is the kind of shit that the internet likes a lot, in case you're wondering what kind of shit people look for, what the algorithm wants, it's that, it's that fucking right there. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I don't know, I'm not sure how to, the thing I, I have a hard time with, like, sometimes, hold on, I'm getting a little more shit here, with the internet stuffs is, like, I, I'm I like entertaining and I I, mean, I would say I, I'm pretty good at it. like I do a lot of things like that but the, I, I feel like I have to be like a professional like poster and tagger and uploader and editor there's so many other pieces to it that it's like I've gotten pretty good at a bunch of those things but like it's a lot I just want to fucking entertain people is it <laughs> yeah but I think if you just do that eventually like you just it'll come like I, I really believe that like yeah. I think if you just do it enough it'll come yeah, just uh, that's actually one of my moto mottos. Is this right here? Can you see? No. It says it's sideways, but it says stay move. What does that mean? <laughs> what does stay move mean? So I was in, um, we were in Sweden at Yoon's event. You remember um, Elias Ambul? No. Uh, he was a he was a Swiss skier. Um, he was like 17, I think, at the time. He's a Red Bull. He's on Red Bull and stuff. And he actually became a really good friend of mine. He's a helicopter pilot now. But anyway, he was like 17. And like, we go to this bar or whatever. And the bars don't fucking close there. It's like, we're out there till like four in the morning. He's 17. He's wasted. And it was before he really like spoke English super well. Yeah. And so we stop at Maxburg, which is just like McDonald's. And he's like staggering, like super drunk. And I'm trying kind of like playing babysitter. And, um, <laughs> We're sitting there, we order burgers, and we're sitting there. He's in the booth, and he's doing this. And I'm like, Elias, he's like, Yeah, no, I, I can't sleep here. And I'm like, Nope, we can't. <laughs> I can't sleep here. Just hang in there, buddy. We're gonna fucking get there. We just got the burgers, just gotta wait, and we'll go back home. And he's like, 
no, I, I have to stay moved. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's a great, great motto for life. You have to stay moved. Oh my God. So then when we leave, we get, the, we get the burgers and we leave and our condos were at the top of this fucking hill. And Elias is going like fucking three steps up, like two back, three up, two back. And he stops and he turns around and he's like, is anybody else feeling like it's going up really steeps here? And I started laughing. He goes, why do you always have to make funs about me? <laughs> And it just fully stuck in my brain. And I was like, stay moved. Got to stay moved. So I like made it into a little motto. Got to stay moved. Because if I, I have ADD to the max. So like if I get stuck, like playing video game or get stuck at my house, you know, like I'll get fucking stuck on something that's not important for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, and then same. like I'll have done nothing, even though I have like an intense amount of things to do. So like it just reminds me like it doesn't even matter if I don't do anything of importance. It's just like, go do something. Go just keep moving. I love just, that. You can't, can't sit still. I got to stay move. <laughs> I love that. Stay move. Um, stay move. Okay. <laughs> I love that. That's great because that's actually the advice that I need more often than not because I'm the same way. Like I'll get stuck like I'll have a million things to do and instead I'll like organize all the DVDs that I haven't watched in my house by like chronological <laughs> order and I'm just like, all right, well, this is what, this is what we're doing today. Um, yeah. last couple I things. The TV, the TV that extends up into my garage. I, 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 I was gonna say for you were like, I, I have so much other shit to do. Like <laughs> it, was, it was like tax season or something, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I gotta get to that. So like the procrastination just leads to like fucking so much shit is like useless. I like how but you fuck. were like, I have ADHD, but like, it, I, I know. Like we could, like, it's like, yes, that's very clear. Like we started this conversation off by you being like, this is my house. This is my drift car. And this is my garage. And my TV folds up into the ceiling. And also hang on a second. I need ice cream. Yeah. I love ice cream. Which is valid. It's amazing. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, that is actually something that I did do during the pandemic is take a deeper look into like where that anxiety part of like ADHD yeah. is and like what I can do of like, to like kind of quell that while still like getting the benefits of having ADHD because it's fucking beneficial, man. You can like do sure. a lot of shit. The anxiety part's rough. That, yeah, I think that part of the one of the reasons why I like skiing so much is like when you do, you like when I'm doing my like run in the competition where you like kind of hit a huge jump where you're gonna like go through that, but you don't you're not thinking about anything else. You're just thinking about that. Like people even asked me before like. Can you hear the crowd when you're going down? I'm like, no, you don't. You know, you hear nothing. Like, you're mm. just there in that moment, and it like forces you. Like, my brain thrives in like chaos. So, if there's nothing happening, I'm panicking. But if there's like an intense amount of way too much shit happening, that I'm like calm as a fucking cucumber, <laughs> and just yeah. like post right through it. Yeah. And um, mostly physical. I mean, hence why I don't like the fucking announcing shit. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, oh, it makes I sense. Crowd, if you want to hear it, I, I just of course I want to hear it. it. I, I didn't ask you on the podcast to like not hear funny stories and like <laughs> listen to you talk. That's the whole fucking point of having a podcast, by the way, is that you just get to do this all day, which is why I think you should fucking have one uh, because yeah, it's easy to make fun. money, and we're deep enough into this that people aren't like my sponsors aren't listening anymore. So, but like you can fucking make money doing this, like, and you can make a full time <laughs> game for, for sure. My they're, all, they're just making sure I'm still alive. <laughs> That's what your sponsors are doing. Uh, so, 
this was like um due tour and i think it was a north star or something and i had like qualified i qualified first so i was dropping last um and i'm at the top and it's like the full lit up pipe you know like all people fully lining the sides and it's like i'm standing there and they're like all right 30 seconds and i got tv already and all that stuff so i'm like going through my run in my head and i see a single snowball fly from one side of the pipe to the other and i was like oh shit and i see like another one go back and then another one go that and it was full snowball fight across the pipe like this like you it was just like they're just going at it and the guy's like all right 10 seconds and then they were like okay you're good to drop and i was like uh i'm not dropping (laughs) are you fucking kidding me like (laughs) no chance like it was like a gnarly it was fucking cool I mean, like, I would have loved to be part of the crowd talking snowballs, but I don't want to fucking get, go through a barrage of snowballs, man. <laughs> and so this big ski patrol dude, who, who he's next to me, is like, I'm on it. And he just, like, motions to, like, his guy on the other side of the pipe, and they go down and stop. And anyone that they saw as they went down, they just pulled their passes. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's, like, all my fault. <laughs> yeah, but, like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? No, I know. I mean, there was no other way to do it. You can't, like, stop him from doing it. And, and like... So the snowball started to stop like this. And then there was just, once it got like around <laughs> that, the passes are getting pulled. It just was dead. And then I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cheering anymore. Nobody's fucking cheering for you after that. No one's cheering for me. I didn't hear anyone, but I imagine it was just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking amazing. Holy shit. Um, I, got, I think I got third at that one. That's fucking pretty good. Like, you keep saying third, like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm a third place kind of guy, dude. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I fucking love it. You're on the podium. You get paid. I, somebody mentioned a quote that you did in a different interview that you were talking, and maybe this isn't even a real thing and they're just making this up, but, which is maybe why I shouldn't bring it up. But, uh, <laughs> they, they mentioned that you said that you would go to your sponsors and you'd be like, okay, look, I can go as hard as I can and I might get first and I might get last, right? Or I can definitely like go out there and I can get third. Like I know what I can do. I kind of oh, know. Oh no, I think the story that you're thinking of is my friend Davey who used to be the team manager at Monster. It's like his favorite story. I don't even remember it happening, but he tells it to me or whoever's around me whenever he sees me. But I didn't say that to the sponsors. I was I was at X Games in a slope style and I qualified first, but like, I'm not really the type to like, I don't know, this kind of explains it, but like, qualified first, so that means I dropped last, and I'd done two runs, and I was in fifth place, and it was, uh, I think, Andreas was in first, and, no, or maybe, yeah, uh, Sammy Carlson, I think, was in second, I don't remember who was on the podium with me that year, but, so I was in fifth and I was dropping last and I skied down to the bottom and Davey was there and he was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, like, and I was like, well, if I go up and try this dub 12 that I've been working on and I land it, then I'll win. Like there's no, I'll win for sure. Yeah. And he's like, well, are you going to do it? And I was like, well, if I do the run that I've been doing consistently, like all through practice and all through that got me my, first that got me qualified first if i do that then i'll get third yeah at least i'm probably just third because they already know i'm going to do what i'm going to do if i try to mix it up or do more things they always reward you more for that so like 
if I just do the run and do it perfectly clean, then I'll get third. He was like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to do that? And I was like, I was going to get third. <laughs> I got back on the snowmobile and went up there and just like, because I had gone through that process of imagining that I was maybe going to do the dub 12 or whatever. And like thinking I was going to decide on the way. That's why I hadn't had clean runs. So when I decided that I was just going to do my run clean, then I just did it like as perfectly as I could. And then got third. It was that easy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that's all you do you is you know, just say you're gonna do it and then you clarity and you do it yeah, you do it well i mean all the factors were there so i came up with the run we get there they clearly liked the run and yeah, then right other you always know other people are gonna step it up and do shit that's why tj like will either win or lose when he was competing he would either like right. win or lose because he would be just going for it the whole time right and me i would usually win the qualifier and then get at least somewhere on the podium because if I didn't mix it up, then it would have been consistent. It's like Tanner style. That's what Tanner does. But he right. pick and learn the hardest that you can possibly do to overcome that. When he was competing, he didn't add on more shit. He didn't try to do more shit. He was the same exact way. Like, this is my run. I'm deciding now that this is my run. I'm going to practice this all week for this entire thing. Yeah. I'm going to do it perfectly. And I know that it's already better than everybody else's. So they're going to have to try to step it up. And either they're going to get second or loose because he his run was that much bigger than that. So mine was like high up in that. It's a top three run, but I don't. I, I would never, not never, but I didn't often step it up to something bigger. And the judges always reward when you like go spin more and do more shit. So yeah. Um, a couple things I guess before uh, before I let you go. I've realized you probably don't want to spend your whole evening with me or your whole afternoon with me, uh, which no, is fine. totally fine. Um, uh, I'd like to know what you really want to do now. Like what, what's the, what's next, right? Like what's next for you? Do you have a plan for this upcoming year? Um, is skiing involved in that at all? Is ski events involved in that at all? Um, and like I mean, for the voiceover shit, like, are you like, are you having a good time? I guess. Yeah. Some of it's pretty fun. I love doing voiceover shit for like the MSP films and then they're like fun ones and I've gotten a couple that are pretty good. The things that I'm interested in now is like I think I'll be very real about it. It's like something like that I think a shitload of people are going through like pandemic styles is like trying to figure out a little bit better how my brain works and how I can enjoy the things that I'm doing. So I've been doing like a lot of like that. As far as like the ambition or things that I would want to do like an ultimate goal for me is like I mean, there's a reason why I'm down here in LA is like, I want to make a fucking, like, I want to make a fucking ski movie, like hot dog, like fucking theatrical ski movie that is good. And it doesn't have like the typical shit. I don't care if the storyline's kind of more typical, but I want it to be a little more like specific to like our type of skiing you know how do you make that happen like how do you get funding for that like how that's my well i mean like the first thing that i like right now i wrote that movie where about that and you could translate a lot of that into like now and it's a pretty good story i mean yeah living in my car to getting a medal and all the shit that happened in between yeah it's pretty good so like it's just like if anybody wants is interested in seeing it made you know yeah, I think people but, are though, but I don't. I don't think people know that that's even a want. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing. I'd love to see that shit. But like, how do you get to the next point where you're like, 
you put it in front of people to the point where they're like, here's money. And I, I guess it, I don't even know what it costs for these things. And I don't know what's involved in these things. And I'm the like LA scene is so far removed from where I am in like my little fucking granola girl town. Like, I just don't, I don't know what that, and that's well for me, I think I was maybe even thinking about doing like a crowdfunding thing. Um, because the people that are the producers and stuff of like a bigger Hollywoody type movie like that, they don't fucking you know diddly dick about skiing and stuff, you know? So I feel like it's going to have to go to the, like if to the people, if they want to fucking see it made or they think it's a good idea. But like, I mean, if you can imagine something like essentially making a movie called my friend is a pro, taking the same similar type of humor and ridiculousness of that and making that into like a fucking movie. I think that that's doable. And I feel like that's, I don't know. I I feel like the the crowdfunding aspect of it should be easy. I I feel like you just put it out there and the ski community will get behind it. Like people want to see this kind of shit. So I don't know. I don't know. Whatever I can do, I fucking am not anything in this industry, but like I, would love to help. Anything that we can do to push it to make that kind of thing happen. Well, I mean, you got, you got, you got ear balls and eyeballs on you. Maybe if I can like put some shit together, or like I just want to get feelers to see if it would actually have any traction. And I do have like an idea of like budget wise what it be. And of course, I still know everybody in like in the ski world, like and like you know, like connections with mountains and stuff. And then I know enough about cinematography and things like that now and i would love to do it with like a like a company like msp or something that like knows what the fuck they're doing how to shoot skiing all that stuff because like you don't really get to see that in movies and have you can see good skiing in some things sometimes like but to have the actual good funny fun and pertinent storyline of like a good well-rounded thing is difficult to find because the producers always get their hands and they're like that's a cool shot and you're like no that's not a cool shot that's a guy in the sky flying <laughs> yeah yeah I, but i i guess like why do you need a company to put it out in a movie form like why not do something like put it on vimeo put it on youtube like that stuff has a lot of value now and gets a lot of traction and you can tour it still ahead of time like look at i don't know parker right like parker white doing nothing and nothing new like that shit does really well for them um, yeah. for him and Friedel and all they did basically was like they toured it around a little bit but the main thing that they did was just do like a live YouTube release of the thing they made some merch and they made it happen I mean and granted like Parker has Friedel they have level one backing but like it's not like it's it, I can't imagine it costs crazy yeah but I mean that's what, that's what I mean like I would want to talk to I sent the script to the MSP guys I don't know if they read it or not but I'd have to do a little more like pushing and finding what it would be and figuring out sort of budgety stuff like all the things that I've made, I end up being like, like fully producing myself, myself. So like, like with my friend as a pro that for example, is like Sammy and Tanner all were supposed to go to Yoon's event. Tanner was like, this is a big old Yoon dick sucking fest. I'm not going. So he <laughs> was like, Sammy, like, I really want Colby to come because he made a pretty good video last year. And Sammy and I were not on really good terms because whatever, for whatever reason. And, um, he, Yoon called me. He's like, Hey man, Tanner's out. Do you want to go with Sammy? And I was like, um, I mean, I really want to go with like Tanner. Sammy doesn't really like me that much. 
I think some some of those boys they thought I was making fun of actual skiing when I make when I make funny videos. Right, 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 right. So like, I mean, obviously my friends are pros. This is how it was made, but this was like the blowout of that. I was like, who gives a fuck? We're fucking pro skiers. It's the most ridiculous shit on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I like called. He was like, just call him for me. I was like, okay. I like called Sammy and Sammy was like, what? <laughs> I'm like. Well, Yun says you like you're going to he wanted me to call and ask if you want to do it with me. He's like, I think I'm gonna bring one of my friends from home. And I was like, Okay, cool. Bye. He's like, bye. And then he ended up dropping out. And so four or five days before the event's supposed to happen, Yoon calls me and he's like, Sammy dropped out, you're in. Find two cinematographers, a photographer, and someone else to ski with. And whatever, I mean, one of them has to be able to edit. And I was like, Fuck. Okay. So I called I went on New School and I was like, Who should I bring? And people were like LJ Strenio or like Bobby Brown. Like those are the people that were like kind of up and coming things. And I like called John, who's like my best friend, but he has been out of skiing for a bit. And um, I was like, John, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, what about this person or that? And I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, big long pause. He goes, fucking A, man. Just bring me. And I was like, yeah, let's just fucking do it. So then I like called Mike Thomas and I was like, hey, we're going to going to Sweden and Norway to go shoot this thing and he was in and then Finbo who was like 19 at the time he was a cinematographer and then Alex O'Brien and so like that whole thing like I paid for all that I like figured out logistics like all those different things just to make that happen and then for the first two days of the trip we were skiing and doing tricks and stuff but then at night I was like no partying yet we got to figure out what our theme is and what are we going to do for a song and John said something funny that like we were singing that Mano and T-Pain song all the above like I was, I fucking oh, that song was that. so fire for like a minute. Yeah, it was. And so we were just singing that one, and I was like, "This song rules." And then John goes, "Well, he said something about we were talking about pro shit or something." And he goes, "Well, the only reason I'm here is because I'm friends with you." <laughs> I was like, okay. So then we like dicking around with the song, and then it just happened. But I, I just, I mean, I was telling that story of it because it's like that's sort of like how things are maybe gonna have to happen for that. Like the ADD has to kick in of like, well, yeah. we're going, so let's do it you know yeah let's just make it happen because you gotta stay move stay stay move um that's definitely able to make a movie that's probably how it's gonna go down all right that's valid stay move and uh that's how the movie will happen i guess yeah hopefully um no it's gonna happen it's gotta happen there's so many platforms that like you can put shit on now you could fucking there's like yeah i don't know we don't need to like dive into the details of it, but, like, it, there's fucking so many ways to make shit happen, and to make it with, like, a real company like MSP would be awesome, but I also don't think you fucking need them anymore. Like, no offense yeah. to Gaffney or any of those guys, but, like, it's not, that model is fucking not relevant nearly as much as it was when I was growing well, up. Well, I mean, you, you look at, like, Friedel and, um, what's his butt, like, that, that. It's yeah, that's similar. Yeah, know? but it's got like three hundred thousand fucking views on YouTube. They toured the fucking thing all over the place if they wanted to. They sold merch, and now they're making it into a three part series, and like they're getting sponsors for it. Right. I mean, I honestly, when you say those those things, all that they're doing for it, the one that really appeals to me is the fucking touring and having it be like a movie that you could like go and see like that old school way in of, person. Like, in person, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's a lot of, don't get me wrong, like, I think there's well, yes, a lot can, of, but I, I, those other things to me are like the bonuses of that, but when you say the touring and, and having it be in theaters, like smaller theaters and different places where there's ski stuff, that actually gets me excited, like the putting online and getting the things like that's, 
doesn't the get visceral you going. feeling of being in the theater and people watching it is fucking tight to me. Yeah. No, and I think uh, there's a lot of people that didn't do shit this year because of, like, I don't know. I'll use uh, Katie Burrell, for example. I don't know if you know who this is, mm. but she basically, like, makes fun of skiing almost, right? Or she's making fun in skiing, Sim- like, similar kind of idea. And she didn't make a new movie this year because she was, like, touring coach. Like, her last film, without a crowd, without an audience, was not that fun. Like, I didn't enjoy doing it, just putting it online and just reading the comments. So, like, right. I think a balance of both things is really is really what the method is. I just mean, like, you don't have to put a DVD out and, like, fucking, I don't know. I don't know. It's like nobody's buying DVDs other than me on eBay right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, I, I don't know. I, and then, again, we go to, like, that whole side, the, the touring, all the different things, figuring out the crew, who's going to take care of that, and you figure out who's going to shoot and all the different things. The main first thing that I got to start with is see if people actually would want to see it. And then make, come up with the idea, which is really the fun part, because then you just the rest of it you're just cruising. But like the 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 idea of the, yeah, I just got to get creative with what I think it would be. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I think you'll get some messages from this episode that'll be like, yes, like this is a thing we really want to see. I hope. Maybe no. Again, yeah. maybe my theory is true, and nobody actually listens to this show, but I think people do. <laughs> um, I think people do, and I think it works. The last, Are last we live, live right now, or does that just say live in the corner? It says live in the corner. It's not there. So technically, the reason I use this platform is because the audio is better. Uh, it in, it records individual audio files. The video is better. Like you're fucking crystal clear right now. Um, yeah. And if we wanted to, we could stick this link out wherever, and people could watch live. Right. Yeah. So like really easy, cool. really easy to do. It also like I can change the ad, and like there's a lot of reasons I use it. It's it's easy to. And use this little ticker on the bottom. It hooks up to my soundboard. All the all the like techie weird shit. Um, cool. So what you get? Yeah, just send me all your send me all the shit. I want to share it too. Yeah, for sure. I definitely will. Um, last thing I'm gonna ask you about is uh, Marty Lemkin. Uh, ha- that I feel like holds up the least of all the things right now. Um, like it's funnier than any. Like it is. It is fucking hilarious. But. Did you think at that time that Epic Pass was going to turn into what it is now? Uh, I don't know. Are they using it still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. I realize that, like, you're not super into, like, this part of the thing, but, like, it is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, 2.1 2. 2. million Epic Passes sold, like, every Epic Resort. You should just don't follow it, but just go look at this Instagram page called Epic Lift Lines. Um, oh, okay. and it's basically just like the K cause they have no restrictions on it. Right. You have an Epic pass. You can go where, wherever the fuck you want. Right. Yeah. That was the whole premise in the beginning. Like that's really cool until you sell 2.1 million and yeah, 2.1 million people, you have 2.1 million people that can go wherever the fuck they want and they just go where the snow goes. And then you end up with like people, not like towns just getting decimated and, uh, lift lines going to like, like yeah. at Mount snow, it's like halfway up the fucking half pipe, you know, on heavy metal. It's like, it's, it's insane. That's crazy. I think I'm, but the, uh, I was thinking the, the Marty Lumpkin, they're not like that ad was from like 10 years ago. I know. But, and it's still like Epic Pass is like relevant, more relevant than ever now. It's like in every conversation in ski media. Yeah. Well, maybe I should, you're saying I should do something with it? No, you, no, you should do nothing with it. I just thought it was funny. Like that, I thought that oh. ad, cause that ad is what made me be like, I should have you on the show. 
because I want to talk to you about like all of the things that we've already talked about, but that's what like prompted it in my head to do this was because of that thing, because it's so different. Like what it is, what your ad was, was funny and hilarious Uh and awesome. Epic now is a total fucking pile of shit. So like, it's just funny that it's gone from like, it's because they would never run an ad like that now. And I mean, it was an ad for free skier, but they would never run. They would never approve something like that in 2022. Yeah, probably not. eh? Yeah. I actually did a, um, after we did that ad, monster was coming out with a new drink thing and like the ceo mark hall like they were trying to come up with like some it was like a five-hour energy type thing that works energy and so like they're trying to come up with an ad and they did like the same like five-hour energy like when i wake up in the morning and i needed some energy to play tennis and like they made an ad like that and then apparently he went home to like his family for Thanksgiving or something and he, they didn't know it was his. And he's like, what do you guys think about this ad? And they were like, it's a fucking ad, whatever. And so he goes back to the market. He goes, we're going to make a fucking over the top crazy ad. <laughs> and someone at monster had seen, I don't know who it was there, but they had seen my, the Epic pass commercial. And so they showed it to me. He's like, great. How much to get this actor? And like, he's a skier for us. He's like, fuck, what's his number? <laughs> and I just got a phone call. I got a phone call one day from, it says, Hey, how's it going? It's Mark Hall. And I was like, Hey, how are you, Mark Hall? He goes, like a little pause. He goes, the owner of Monster. I go, oh, hello, sir. How are you today, <laughs> sir? And he goes, look, we're trying to make this ad. We want you to do this character. Like, uh, we want you to come in and do the thing. And I was like, okay. So we like made a whole deal and everything. And then I was at like we like shot the whole thing and that. And then I think I was in Boston like probably four or five months later. And it was like during the playoffs, and I was in a bar, and I was like with this girl at the bar and the fucking TVs, every TV is like the Patriots game at the bar. And then all of a sudden when the ad comes on, every single TV is my face as Marty Lemkin. <laughs> and I was like, she looks at me and she goes, "It is that you? Like, yeah, that's me. All right. Oh, holy shit. That's fucking yeah. amazing. Um, good time. That's like one of my least favorite characters. I don't really big fan. I did the character I like now is uh this one Jorge that I do, which is like I have this red wig and these yellow glasses. Is that the Colombian guy? Yeah, I mean I haven't specified where exactly they're from or if they're male or female or anything. There's like (laughs) I did a podcast one time um, with my friend Becca, um, and so I did a podcast as me talking about skiing all that, and then I was like, "Do you mind if I?" come do the podcast as Jorge like we'll do a full like hour and a half or hour or whatever and she's like yeah of course not so I like showed up it's not video or anything but I showed up in the wig and the glasses like everything and I did the full like hour and a half and they're asking questions like where like not specifically where I'm from but I just had to like the reason I like that character is because I had to legit improv every fucking thing that they said so like I know the character like inside and out now like supposed to be it's like fashion designer thing there was like one part she was like well what kind of like, what would you say about like, what I, what, what would I, you know, what do you think about my fashion? And I said, well, like maybe July seemed like the type of girl that would maybe just like wear a t-shirt. And she was like, like just a t-shirt. Yeah. Like you want to kind of like look chitty, but that's okay. If you want to look chitty, you can just look chitty. But like that type, you know, where you would just wear like just a t-shirt, like drab colors or something. <laughs> so it was like shit like that for like an hour and a half. <laughs> 
You did a full interview like that. Full interview. Like Can I just tell you how it. fucking hard it is to be the interviewer in that situation too? Like to keep, because <laughs> yeah, like you got to like ask. I did one one time when somebody was playing a character and it was fucking yeah. the hardest interview I've ever done in my life because I'm like, I don't know if, because he's my friend. I'm like, I don't know how to ask you like questions about this character that you've created. And I don't know if you have prepared answers. Well, yeah, I hadn't prepared any answers or anything. I just like knew the character and then just good for you. Just went through it. But like, I think well, there was something that helped me with that character. I did for um, Donut Media. I went to a drift car event and I played that character. And um, the director slash camera guy Andy was so helpful. And it was like so. I was like thirty or something. It was like way after I've done characters forever. But he was so helpful and like he basically like we're going around and there was this kid was like helping us with it he was like the assistant basically and so i'm interviewing people like kind of boratty style and talking to them like interview i legit went to like this booth where these this girl was like selling merch or something it's like so like it seems like you have a lot of like really drab coloring like why did you go with such cheaty colors <laughs> like, shit like that <laughs> and so the kid who's the assistant he like or it was me was one of the other producers whatever came over and they said something like started talking to me as if it was me and i like kind of answered and andy just goes no that's not colby that's jorge right now <laughs> and it, it was so key for me because it was like yes because if i can't stay in this like even when the camera's not rolling i just stay in it the whole time Fuck. just the whole time and people ask me questions they try it. So a lot of people try to like if they're uncomfortable, they try to like snake through to get to like really me. Yeah, right. They try to like ask me things like, Kobe, what are you doing like this, whatever. And the answer just comes from Jorge and it's not, has nothing to do with me. It's like changing it over. That's why I really like the character right now is because I can just be that character. Like I could walk through the world with that character. And um, the kid who was assisting, he's, he was just like watching. Like I could just feel him watching and looking and like, it was so crazy. And like, I had like this blouse on and the scarf and like, you can't see my eye. Like I have these yellow glasses and like the wig comes down like this. And it's like <laughs> full mode. Even when the camera's not on, I'm still talking to him like that, all that. And we like went back into the trailer and he's sitting there like looking at me, like wondering like what's going to happen next. And I kind of planned it. I like, it was so hot that day. And I like took my shirt from the bottom here and then all one swoop, I took my shirt off and the glasses and the wig and the scarf all like that. So it was just me standing there and I go, man, that was fucking crazy. And he just legit. <laughs> I just watched his brain just go like, ah, what? what? <laughs> I watched him rewire back to the fact that it was actually me the whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was so fun. That's fucking amazing. Um, yeah. I feel like. Anyway, I, ADD, how's that going for interviewing? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, dude, it's, it's hard. You know, it, it literally took me a hundred episodes to figure out how to control my own during this and just be like locked yeah. into this thing. But like, as soon as this ends, I'm just going to be back to fucking bouncing off walls. Um, yeah. Um, Cobley, Jim Wetz, uh, where can people find <laughs> you on, uh, on the Instagram, on the social, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, the whole deal. It's just, just my name for all my things. Uh, I got Instagram pretty early. So it's just Colby James West. I mean, I kind of use that one, but I'm, I have kind of slowed down. I think that's probably the most up to datey type thing. Is Instagram. But, uh, um, YouTube, I have a whole bunch of shit that came out on there. You want to find me on there? That's just Kobe West. But there's some like longer form stuff. We did a musical tour. I toured California in a the Wiener Schnitzel bus 
played shows. I played a show in Mammoth and a show in Tahoe, and I brought like Matt Margetts with me and Tom Dozell, and we just like had a fucking party. Got a beer sponsor for it and did a little tour. So that's on there. I don't know. It didn't have a good narrative storyline, but you can just see all the fucking dumb shit we did, which was really fun. That's that's right. on YouTube. But then I don't really use Twitter, TikTok, but Instagram. Instagram is really. It. I would love to get more on TikTok. I feel like I you'd really be fucking to... good at TikTok, dude. Yeah, I couldn't come up with the premise for characters. Like, I want to do some just some just straight characters on there. You know, like come up with some shit. Is that that is my jam? I love that stuff. Oh yeah, it and just feeds. Yeah, you can but just you feed want, like, I'm, I'm on Instagram the most, so if anybody wants to fucking talk to me or has any questions or shit like that, you can just DM my ass on Instagram. And I kind of want to know if people actually would want to see like a full-on two things. My friend was a pro. <laughs> or my friend <laughs> I want to yes, okay. And then, or, and also like a, a movie, like a narrative-based like narrative ski movie that would be like a comedy. I, so if anybody is listening still and they want <laughs> if they made it and they want to tell me that I should do it or they tell me to fuck off, we don't like your shit, then I don't even know why you'd be listening to this in the first place. But... <laughs> Shoot Kobe if anybody message. has like a couple million dollars that they want to just toss down to make the movie right now, fucking stoked. That works too. Couple million dollars, dude. If anybody has a couple million dollars hanging around, they want to give Colby. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. <laughs> Um, sick. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. This has been great. Yeah, get. Well, it was a good for you. Onyx Backcountry is your backcountry guide in your pocket. Um, and you should go to www.onyxbackcountry.com or click the link in the show notes uh, to get a premium membership to Onyx. Uh, they are constantly improving what they have for data on their site, on their site, and on the app. Um, you can plan routes. You can look at snow reports. You can look at uh, s- slope info. I mean, you can do everything. Um, when we were skiing in Tahoe, like that was like our main use uh, for this product. So it was like figuring out a route, figuring out like okay, this is clearly a route people do be- have done before. You can attach photos to it, and you can update it along the way too. So if you're somebody that's like, oh, I see this stuff all the time. I want to share this with my community. Having an Onyx Premium membership will allow you to edit routes, to add routes, to add two routes, um, and you can do that by going to www.onxbackcountry.com and use promo code out of bounds to save 20% on your purchase, and it's 29 bucks for a year. Like, I mean, it's crazy, and the software is so good, and it's always improving. So www.onxbackcountry.com or click the link in the show notes, and then you get 20% off if you use code out of bounds. Thank you for doing this, both of you. I know it's late, and it's annoying. Um, Introduce yourselves, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Andrew, why don't you start off? Yeah, we're here at Ski the Whites, my shop. Uh, I'm Andrew Drummond. I guess backcountry skier, owner of this fine establishment we're now, and host, uh, co-director of Last Gear Standing, which is why uh, Brody's here. Brody, who are you? Yeah, Brody Levin, um, Last Gear Standing participant, number <laughs> number seven, I believe. <laughs> number seven bib is a big uh, big flex, I think, for uh, for year one. Who's got number one? Oh, Ben. Ben Eck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, it's relevant to something? I don't know. Oh, yeah. just my last name. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. No, I got to go through and do the bib assignment. So there's some fun bibs in there. Oh, if you no. if you go through. So the the first, you know, first few guys are, you know, Rick Rick Chalmers who won who was the first finisher. Yeah, oyster did, guy. Yeah, Oyster oh, Rick. Nice. So he's he's crazy. he's number two. And there's a couple other good ones in there. Ben Lane, who did uh forty two hours last year. He's like number four and um Jeremy Arnold is not in it. This He's year. not in it. Yeah, there's a couple That's others. Sad. I just got a couple other shout outs. Dave Soroka, uh, TB12. So I see him <laughs> out there. And then Wit Hanchka is 57. He's 57 years old. So those are the only ones I remember off the top of my head. Amazing. How many people in it this year? We let in 100. We capped it okay. due, to, due to some constraints with parking. But, but um, you know, as with any event, you get like that 10% dropout rate. And we let in a couple extras, and so you know we had 20, 15 people or so on the wait list that uh, we had to say no to. But it's just at this point, it is what it is. We'll probably have, I would say, confidently 90 people starting. I think I was the benefactor of someone who got cold feet. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> you are. Uh, I think you're the you are traveling the furthest of anybody else competing in this. Is that right? Mm, yeah, it's hard to say because people will put old addresses or so you know we got some people in alaska so i don't know yeah i saw in last year i don't think i don't i think they just haven't updated their ultra sign up but Mm -hmm. not many people from from uh outside of new england so we probably should tell people who don't know what is the event what's the idea behind the event kind of give us the rundown on that of course yeah this is our our third edition of last gear standing which is a, a backyard ultra format which is based off the the running format where you do one 4.2 4.2 mile loop, 4.1667 mile loop every hour. And you can't do the next lap till the next hour. And we had this style race event a few years ago and participant, what now I know number three, Jed Wilbur, it was his idea. So oh, really? you can see him out there, but he, this was his feedback on a Google form is like, do you, why don't you do this for a ski event? And I thought that sounds like a terrible idea, but <laughs> I brought it up at, at Tuckerman Brewery uh and five people said it was a good idea and so we made it happen and the idea was born and i didn't you know going into that first year you have no clue how do you like how do you really gauge it but uh, we've been working with black mountain for you know since i started this and it just seemed like the perfect venue to host it and try not to make something too contrived that one lap at black every hour and just see how it goes yeah yeah i like the simplicity of it it's crazy it also it's terrifying terrifying is is exactly what i was thinking um, how do you feel? I mean, this is like, you're getting kind of roped into this, like Fisher kind of sent you out here to do this and 100% you're, they did. Ra- yeah. <laughs> and they're, you're raising money for a good cause. So we should talk about that a little bit. So why don't you tell people why you're here for one, what you're raising money for and, uh, and how you're feeling so far. I'm here because this is Brody. I'm here because I have a new ski sponsor and this is the first thing they've asked me to do <laughs> was to run myself into the ground, um, which I'm, I'm happy and willing to do because, uh, I have not done something like this. You know, like I've, I've done things that have, I think, found my limits in some ways, but it's never been in such a controlled environment in which I can like kind of truly look for it. Um, and that, that's, that was pretty intriguing for me when I first heard about it. And I, I'd heard about the event in the past for sure because Andrew does such a good job putting these things on. And I've actually been to Black Mountain before, but I did not expect, you know, 11 days ago to be here right now. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like new news. Like you weren't planning on this a month ago. No, not. Yeah. I wasn't planning this two weeks ago even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was a, this was a fire drill. I saw that you had uh, on, (laughs) on Instagram, you're posting, getting like race skis, schemo race skis mounted 
last week. Like yes. never skied on them before. Yeah. I've never been on like super light gear before, like schemo gear before. I've, uh, never, I mean, I've only pinned a bib onto my body a couple times in my entire life. You know, like mm. this is the kind of the competitive side of things has never really, um, applied to skiing specifically for me. Yeah. And I've done like some ultra length stuff on, on foot, but, um, and some big days on skis, but nothing that's really been, been like this. Uh, gear wise, this is kind of a question for you. Like, what do you find is the most effective? Like Ben, who won last year was on a pretty rickety setup and ended up winning. Does gear matter? Is there a best case scenario for gear setup? Um, ben totally shattered all <laughs> rules of, of reasonability. I mean, he was on broken telemark gear, total heavy metal setup, not weight weenie at all. Right. Uh, and I, I think that just goes to show that like how mental toughness or like if you're in it you're in it you know and um i think that the the course is just it's not challenging until it is and that's point is going to be different for for everyone and so having having gear that is good is important but um really wanting to be here and do it because at some point you'll find a reason not to keep going most people all but one you know and that's like the mental insanity of it all is that a thousand vertical feet every hour isn't that much in, until it is until some something kind of defeats you in your head like why am i doing this or my feet hurt or i'm tired or i just want to be done i mean there's all these reasons and to stop and at some point you know it's gonna be different for everyone you know some people are here to just get a, a personal best just to right. make it to darkness make it to 24 hours make it to you know all these little goals but then there's some people that are going to be here to finish it. Your website does a really good job of that explaining like, you know, you don't need to be the last skier standing in order to be successful. Like you can kind of define that however you choose. Right. He's like, like you said, you know, make Everest or make it to 12 hours or whatever. I think there's a lot of ways to, to be a winner in your own mind in this case. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite parts about this event is that anybody can go and do it. And if you do two laps, that's cool. And if you do 61, that's also cool. Like, and and you've done it. Yeah. So tell right. me first tell me year. about your experience your first year. Oh, like, I, was, we did this. I was uh, expecting to do two. And I think I did like six or seven. And it was like, I was fine. I was happy. Like I also quit when I was happy still, right? Like I didn't like my intention was to go and just see what where that line was for me. Why did you quit? Because I was happy. And like I, <laughs> I started feeling unhappy okay, when I got know. to the top. Okay, Like, and also... I, I wasn't even sure what it was, right? And I'd never toured even that much vert at that point, right? So it was just kind of an experience for me, and I wanted to see what it would be like to do an event like this. And honestly, it was more just being in it and experiencing it from, like, the media side of it than it was, like, the competitive side of it, right? Because there was no chance that I was going to beat Rick and his oysters, like, in any, <laughs> in any world. I don't think anyone was that year. And it was just a it was a bizarre experience. So I guess that's, that's one of the other things to kind of mention is what, what is the expectation this year? Right. The bar was like almost doubled, right? Like from last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are we expecting this year? Well, yeah, the first year went 34 hours, I think. And then the, I I get them confused between the Bubba's backyard ultra and this, cause they alternate. And, um, but then 61 hours was what Ben Eck did last year and and i i think what i've learned is like what you're pointing out is it doesn't matter yeah what people do it's like we're gonna have a good time regardless and it's a social event you have a lot of time to meet new people it's a reason and the space for everyone to be out there doing something completely unique and 
and what was fun last year was just how people continued to talk about it months after it happened. Yeah. It was one of those things that sort of captured the internet. You can watch real time through Instagram stories and we have the timing and the, the lap results are live on ultrasignup.com and it just really captivated the internet. And then next thing, cause there's really not much happening right now in turn, I guess yeah. Olympics are still happening, but there just wasn't much happening. And, Especially last year. And, and then like people like Ben and Rick are legends now and people just listening to people talk about it was, was fascinating. So I think the bottom line is like, it doesn't really matter. I think everyone's going to come away with their own story, their own experience and something out of this will be uh, rememberable. Well, it's something memorable. interesting I think about last year is that most people like it went to like, it, in, a, in reality, it went to like 40 hours or something like that. But then these two maniacs kept going on their own. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. It went, it went 42 hours, I think. Like that's when it like really ended. And then there was two. Yeah. Um, or no, was it 50? Yeah. 50. It went for some point and it was like, yeah, this is where I get, it just all becomes a blur because yeah, we have two people just going back and forth for an absurd amount of hours and who's going to give. And that's, that's, I think the hardest part about this is like, who wants to be that last person to drop? Like when you have three people, it's easy for that third person to drop because then they're done. But then there's the other person has carries that responsibility. Uh -uh. Oh, squall. <laughs> 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 Full slice of pizza for Squall. Wow. Squall is like, how fast can... So currently we have Squall just got a full slice of pizza, two slices of pizza out of a box about 15 feet away. Andrew and Adam are both up and Squall ate one of them unbelievably Holy fast. Holy shit. Especially that's... considering oh, Squall doesn't have any thumbs Holy or really shit. any hands even. All right. Wow. Well done. I'm going to... I was, uh, <laughs> you can't be too mad about that. Well, I got one back. Yours, I guess, dude. <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right. In my pizza now. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I was saying. I was saying it's like to be that second, that person that's like in it with the, the person who's going to finish it is like a huge responsibility. <laughs> You're carrying the burden of this event on your shoulders. Like the whole reason this event is going is because of you and you don't want to be that one to like end it for some reason, you know, without giving it your all. So it's like, if you make it to the last two, it's your responsibility to give it everything you have. You know, that's the way I view it. Is it true that if you don't win, you DNF? Yeah. Oh, that's so normal. Only one finisher. <laughs> There's one finisher. How do you feel about the potential to DNF? Oh, I'm, I mean, that's, I fully expect to, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a reality more than anything, but I, um, yeah, I mean, there's been so much talk of strategy regarding this. You know, like people are like, oh, what's your strategy going in? Or this is what yeah, my yeah. strategy was. And um, I, <laughs> it's like, what, what, you don't, you know how you're going to respond at that number of hours or that number of miles or vert or whatever, you know? And I think lack of sleep. Yeah, totally. I think that's going to be my weakness for sure. I'm just like really into sleeping in general. Is there, uh, and I always wonder this, is there a benefit to like rushing a lap? so that you can get a little extra shut eye so you can get that 10 minutes at 20 minutes of like actually closing your eyes and getting some rest. There's definitely strategy in your timing of everything. If you look at the classic, the, the running format, yeah, it's really all about pacing yourself and staying moving, staying warm. If you finish a lap quickly and you have all this time, you really have to be in that later stage of like your capability, like of your, I guess, 
where you're at in the race. So the later half that you're in the race, then maybe you'd start breaking out some of that strategy. But where people have had the most success is really um, utilizing that time efficiently, not having too much time back in that transition, but just the right amount of time to keep moving. Because the longer you have in transition, the longer it takes to get like warm back up and especially in some of those nighttime hours and sleep isn't a problem until later on anyway it shouldn't be like you shouldn't try to be banking sleep but what you'll find is rushing a lap will just give you a little freshness it will rejuvenate you a bit get the blood flowing Mm. use different muscles hit a different little heart rate zone and i've seen a lot of people use that to their benefit throughout the event that maybe this will be their fast lap and then they'll back off just the, the monotony of doing that same pace, it breaks it up. Just yesterday between leaving Salt Lake and arriving here, I heard two very different strategies recommended, one of which was like, <laughs> just go. I, I saw an ultra runner in the airport in Salt Lake who's done all sorts of crazy stuff, and he's like, just go the same pace every lap. Just don't try to get off that pace. And then Christian here from Fisher was like, you should do like three slow laps and then a fast lap and then sleep, but you're going to get your heart rate up. And, th- and I'm just like, don't man. listen to Christian. Christian does like <laughs> yeah. a lap and then sleeps for three hours and then goes out and does another lap and is like, Oh, I've been here for three days. Like don't listen to Christian. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would just say, don't, don't make it too complicated, but just realize that if you take care of yourself, you at least give yourself a little more opportunity. I want to see you do it. No, I, uh, I did the running format, so I got a taste of it and, and I know it's it's a really unique and special format. I think what I got out of it is I PR'd the distance I've ever most distance on foot I've ever done, you know, in that sort of time frame. Which was 130 miles. It was like a, it was 35 laps, maybe 34 laps on a three and a half mile course, so Fuck. close to like 118 or so. That's incredible. Fuck for you. <laughs> but what I what I you know one of my takeaways was like I wasn't in it to like really finish it, and I. in hindsight like i wish i want to see that potential i want to like push it a little further because you'll get a lot of participants that leave like knowing they had another lap in them they'll won't even um they'll finish their last lap with 20 minutes on the table 15 minutes on the table it's not like they were racing the cutoff it's this mental toughness of like i'm tapping out without even giving Mm. myself a chance to go in that next lap and that's that's like a really hard place to be at mentally is you know you have more but you're done and then you leave and you're like wait i should have just done one more i've heard you give really good advice for that exact scenario so why don't you tell people like what what you tell people when they're like thinking about quitting oh it's just give yourself the opportunity to start another lap and if you if you don't if you time out you time out but if you can put your skis on, get your skins on, and we'll help you do all that stuff as, as volunteers and race directors. We're going to do everything we can to get the most out of your you know, potential, your performance. And if you start that lap and you get halfway up and you're like not in it, then you're not in it. But I think once you get the momentum, it's easy to finish that lap because you yeah. want that lap to count that you started. Because if you don't turn around that lap, it doesn't count. Yeah. It was, it's always, it was very impressive to hear the way that you phrased it to people because it wasn't like you were pushing them too hard to go, but you also were kind of giving them enough so that they would actually get out of the gate. Right. You mean he was talking to individual people? Oh yeah. Like I would hear him talking to individuals being like, okay, just try to do one more. Like if you think you want to be done, try to do one more. And that's what he would say. And then he'd do it again the next lap, the same way to the same person. And like, and it works and they would go out and they would do one more and they'd push themselves. 
But I think there's like a fine line between somebody going out there and, and getting hurt potentially, right? And like what their maximum capability is. And I think you do a good job at towing that line safely. And when you watch, you know when someone's out. You know when they're done, like mm. safety-wise. Right. I mean, we had Zach, this guy Zach, was falling asleep <laughs> while skinning uphill. And you just know you're done. Like, you're, you're probably done. Uh, the thing about this format is that it sort of it wakes you up for the descent. Something about it, like clicking in, ski down. It wasn't worried about, you know, people's legs were getting tired because the top part got chopped up. It was all moguled. So they mm. were, like, working really hard. And the, I worried about some of the hazards up high and, and people's just ski ability. There's right. people that like basically come from very minimal ski backgrounds. So the skiing part can be really challenging in those conditions with tired legs. I don't know. You see it all, but mm. yeah. What, what is your goal out of this Brody? Like what's your, do you have something in mind? Do you have a target that you want to reach? Do you have like, are you a goal setter? I've asked you this question when we did an individual podcast, but like, do you set goals for yourself ahead of things like this? Yeah, I think it's a pretty unpopular strategy just in life, but I'm not a goal setter. <laughs> and I think it's for a couple of reasons, but the primary one being I'm just I'm just um, naturally a pretty self-motivated person. And I feel like a goal, whether arbitrary or just semi-arbitrary, I don't know if there's such a thing as like a very, you know, accurate goal, so to speak, because it wouldn't be a goal then, right? Um, right. I think they are just setting me personally, I can only speak for myself, up for like failure in some regards, because it's either... <laughs> If I meet my goal, I'm going to have a reason to to bail or to be satisfied Good prematurely. Point. And if I don't meet my goal, I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. And so I think the closest thing I could say to having a goal for this would A, to be raising a good amount of money for Project Our Winters, and B, I think finding my limit, like going till I can't go anymore. Whether or not that means I'm the last skier standing, I don't think that necessarily has any bearing on whether or not I found my limit. Mm. And I think the that's that's setting me up for success insofar as the only way I couldn't reach my goal is if I was the last gear standing and I still had more in me. And I think the odds of that are like extremely low because that means I hadn't found my limit, right? But I'm happy to just go until I can't go anymore. And that whole kind of like plus one thing that Andrew's talking about, like, yeah. I love that. You know, it's like, great. I'm twisted. So that. twisted. <laughs> um, it's fucked, but I think it's great. Like, I think it's really for this format, it's perfect. And I think setting goals for this format is also really reasonable for a lot of people. You know, like, like Andrew said, whether it's go for six hours or <clears throat> go for 10,000 feet for your first time or, or whatever it is. But I feel like I've been fortunate to like do a kind of like a lot of those like kind of landmarks in my mind, yeah. but I've never been able to just keep going and have like an aid station at the bottom. <laughs> like that's never been something I've been privy to. And so I, I'm looking forward to just like going till I can't go anymore. And I would say that's like goal achieved. Um, but I also could see that just being a, a non goal. Yeah, I guess I've also heard from, <laughs> uh, from multiple sources that you are a very uh, stubborn individual and will not just quit. So I sure. Yeah. Definitely I, stubborn, but like, I, but not goal oriented. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I told you this earlier, but I had a friend who's like, I don't think you have it in you to win, but I also don't think you have it in you to quit. <laughs> Which like, is, shoot. yeah, that's a tough place to be in. That's a, but great, I, that's a great place to be in. For, yeah, I mean, for the entertainment side of it, I'm like, I'm very down. And I look, I'm so looking forward to interviewing you like 
13 hours in, skinning up fresh, like asking you what your din setting is. And you're going to be like, Adam, fuck off. Leave me the fuck alone and stop asking me questions. And I think one thing about these events is that like you don't necessarily find your limit based on like your endurance, right? Like something can go just wrong. You know, you like have some random pain you've never felt before. Like this is true. It sounds ridiculous. But just going downstairs in the shop with Hillary just now, I like had a weird tinge in my knee that I've like never felt before. And all of a sudden I'm hyper conscious of it. And I'm like, oh my God, this could end my day tomorrow. I've never had knee problems. You know, it's like, where did this come from? Um, and so I think, you know, you get cold or you get hungry or whatever it is could, could end it. But I'm just really excited to see people push themselves, whether that's two laps or like 20 laps. I just think it's so cool. Yeah. And, and Ben, who won last year, who was the only finisher last year, I should say. <laughs> um, like he's he's raising money for this native lands organization. I can't think Native Land Conservancy, I think it's called. It's like an East Coast native run organization. And like he had almost met his goal as of this morning and the event yeah. hasn't even started yet. He was like raising thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah, for and sure. And I went to pitch in like five days ago and I'm like, oh my God, he's already made a bunch of money on this. Totally. And like <laughs> I think that's a huge goal. Like he's already checked the goal box before we've even gotten the starting line. And I think that's sweet. Yeah, that dude's cool. He's like, he's a very interesting person to talk to. Well, he's a telly skier, so. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a telly skier that skis on broken telly skis for 61 hours straight. Like, that tells you the kind of mind. In, like, a raccoon, in a raccoon suit. suit. <laughs> well, yeah, I kept hearing about this. That wasn't in the video. I was like, why is everyone talking about a raccoon Yeah, suit? yeah, that was bizarre. I was like, I was losing my mind watching it from home. Like, it was like, it was the best entertainment that was on oh, that cool. weekend. It was just like like, just finding out that somebody made it an additional lap, like, after we got to day two and a half right that first day you're like who is this guy losing my he's fucking in mind. he's in a raccoon suit is he yeah. like he was but he was just getting warmed up you know yeah well it is isn't it true like you know you're 10 hour 10 laps in 10 hours in like you have no idea who's kind of quote unquote winning right is there like a poker face element to it like how's everyone doing <laughs> no you've you you like i think you're going to go through these waves where you're going to wish people were dropping <clears throat> but then sometimes you're going to wish more people were with oh, you interesting but you're like, why won't they stop? You know, it's like you get in that mental state of why aren't they dropping? Why aren't they going to, they're really coming for another lap because I'm beat and now they're, they're still moving. How are they not stopping? And the guy or girl who's last in the pack every lap could also be the one who's going to go the longest, right? Like it just doesn't. Right. And you have no clue who's showing up or who's like, who's really. That was one of the things that was crazy. Who's going to make it to like the last. I think if you look at the numbers, not many people make it 24 hours. I think out of the yeah. 82 participants last year, 16 made it 24, mm. somewhere around that. So it's a small number mm. that will really push to the 24-hour mark. And then then it starts. I think after the 24 hours, the things really start because you're in that second day. Um, and then going to that second night is like, that's a different, I think that's the next level. It's getting through <clears throat> that, getting into that second night. When, everyone's left the mountain. It's a kind of a ghost town. Sunday night, everyone's home watching the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I forgot about so, the Super Bowl tomorrow, Sunday. So, no way. Yeah, huh. I think so. Yeah, I wish is. I was like a, a real football thing. fan. I like had a reason to quit. You, know, you gotta watch. <laughs> I my, gotta go. It's a big important you thing. Gotta watch going the on. Cleveland no, Browns. No, you got a flight on Tuesday, dog. You got no excuses. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So Christian from Fisher is like, "All right, we thought we could fly out on you know Friday, <laughs> like come the day before the event, and then fly out on the 15th. And I'm like, "When's the event?" And he's like, "That's on the 12th." <laughs> and I'm like, so what happens from the 12th to the 15th? He's like, well, it starts on the 12th. Yeah. And I like got sick to my stomach, man. I'm like, I don't like thinking of it that way. It's <laughs> disgusting. It really. I'll say one of the only like preparations I did for this in the past week was um, my friend sent me a podcast with this guy, Harvey Lewis. It was on the Ritual <laughs> podcast. And 
he just won Bubba's backyard arch or Big's no, backyard. Big's also? backyard, the original. The original, and he. I don't know, like when people. You know, Andrew said most people dropped out before twenty four hours here. I don't know when, like, they started uh, losing people during Big's, but he went for three hundred fifty miles in <laughs> eighty five hours, and he said his training started months or years in advance, and he's a teacher, and during his lunch breaks, he would lay out a yoga mat like in a janitor's closet and. He trained himself to do like five minute naps and he's, he attributed a lot of success to that. So in the last week, have you mastered? Yeah. This? Right. A nap. <laughs> I mean, I napped today for like an hour <laughs> on accident. So yeah. we'll see how this goes. Oh boy. <laughs> Might be in a tough situation. Uh, come tomorrow. Um, yeah. can we talk a little bit about what changes for people, uh, once we hit night? Like, because I feel like then it turns into this totally different scenario mentally for people right because you're just kind of walking up in like very dimly lit yeah you don't it doesn't matter where you are you're just sort of following your feet looking ahead of you five feet in the beam of your headlamp and or maybe you're with someone else and i don't know it gets pretty quiet like less people out there but you're but now headlamp the mountain's not lit up this is night skiing under a headlight headlamp and some led lanterns that we're going to put out there along the way to mark the course which i'll say is different than last year's course and Last year's course was different than the years before that. So this is, you can't always judge like year to year because we, we use the best, you know, we make the best course possible using the terrain yeah. we have and the conditions and everything. And, and so the route this year is a little bit of a lollipop. So there's going to be some more technical skinning, nothing crazy, but it's some steeper stuff that's off the, the groom trail. And that could drastically affect like, like that could just be more tiring for people. It'd be right? more tiring, but it's, yeah. um, it could be more just refreshing break things up so you're not just mm. on a groomer the entire time God, and then you won't see people hours. coming back down for you know the top 300 feet of the mountain because you're going to be on the west side going oh. up and east side coming down until Got you it. intersect which is i think better for everyone so when you guys are going up you're going to be going by the lost bow cabin where all the all the people are going to be unloading or you know hanging out having a beer oh. and so it's going to be the peanut gallery on the on the deck watching oh, you guys go by getting heckled a little cynical when you're climbing well this was all the groomer's idea he, he <laughs> he's like you should do this it'll be safer because without the tops the summit wasn't open last year okay and so the summit's open this year so there's going to be the chairlift you know people coming off the that little double not like it's too crazy but um yeah, so that's changed, and the view is now bigger. It's a 180 degree view off the summit, which is going to be nice because we cleared they cleared a little more trees up there. So I don't know. It's going to be like a beautiful mm. day to be out there. It's it's going to be something like I I have no clue how busy the mountain's going to be. I think it's going to be busy. I think a lot more spectators <clears throat> will come out this year. Yeah. Um, and the nighttime is like that nice like we have the, we own the mountain like at night. Whereas the daytime, it's a free for all. So it's a special moment too to like be in, you know, if it's a clear night and the stars and the like the views and stuff at night, looking up towards Mount Washington or south into the valley, it's it's gorgeous. Mm. Like ski crampons, technical. You know, never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure you. I'm sure you pack something fun. No, no, no. <laughs> pack five I, pairs I of skins for the first time in my life. You might. How you, many? Five. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that you're planning for the long haul here. This is great. You, you may, you, you may find yourself, you know, some people might have to boot pack that aren't gotcha. technical skinners. Like ah. if it's stuff, if this stuff gets really soft during the daytime and then locks up at night, mm -hmm. it could be a little slippery. But it's supposed to be warm tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of thinking of it. Would there be uh, audible course changes mid mid race potentially? 
uh, yeah, potentially we could go up the same route. I don't know. It's again, it doesn't really matter. It's like, we'll figure it out. That's the beauty of all this is that we're on the fly. We're flexible. Uh, there are no rules really. I guess it's at the race director's discretion. Yeah. It's been fun. Like reading the pre event emails, they've just been like pretty much we'll kind of do whatever we need to do. Just show up and everything will be fine. Yeah, it'll like, work out a great time. Totally. Um, can we talk a little bit about your goals, uh, fundraising wise for pal? What are you like? What exactly are you raising money for? What's the goal? How do people donate? Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've had yet another, I live in salt Lake and we've had yet another extremely erratic year of weather patterns, of course. And it's like, you know, we had such a good beginning of winter and now it's high and dry again. And, um, course you don't confuse weather and climate but after year after year after year of this it's just starting to get a little bit old you know and so um I, I don't do much stuff that's like really quantifiable like this and and I called Andrew and I was just like man is this like cool if I consider doing a fundraiser for protect our winters which is yeah. a nonprofit organization that I volunteer for as does Andrew and um he was of course super cool about it and willing to let me do that and um so it's, I guess it's just kind of affecting my day in many regards, <laughs> but I've asked people to donate a buck per lap that they think I can do. Um, and with support of Fisher and Garmin and Goal Zero and Protect Our Winters, uh, they have the opportunity to win prizes if they guess the correct number of laps that I end up doing. If they guess before the event starts, because if they see me like online right, right, dying right. at event 19 and they guess 20 <laughs> laps, like they've got a kind of a leg up there. Um, but yeah, so far we've had uh, a number of donations, a lot of $69 donations. Um, <laughs> no 420s. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what that's, yeah, maybe 42.0 laps. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, I, I think it's like a, a fun way for people to be involved because like, you know, a dollar per lap, worst case scenario, they're going to yep. spend, you know, $62 or whatever. Um, but a bunch of people are donating. It's been really exciting to see that people want to get involved in something and like, you know, we're all the way up in New Hampshire and most of these people are elsewhere in the country but they're able to like have their finger on the pulse of like this really cool new England event that Andrew's put together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for people's willingness to donate to people suffering. I agree. There is definitely like, there's a certain like, all right. Yeah. Like I almost was like ready to, I texted him and I was like, we should like place a bet on this. Like we want to like, how many, how many do we think Brody's going to do? Like what's, what's the over under, where's that line? And how can we bet on it? But like, I feel like DraftKings needs to set this kind of thing up and like actually make a money line on this. But um, I think it's great. I mean, we're going to donate 10 bucks per lap that That's you amazing. do. So hopefully um, you don't make us too broke. Keep by it in the, the end budget. But yeah, keep it within the budget. Thank you but for doing that. Very no, much, it's great. Ryan. Of course. Like I, I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing you're doing. I think it's a great cause. And obviously like the event is, it's my favorite event that happens ski wise, I think all year because it's, it's unique there's nothing really like it in the country going on as far as I'm aware of. And this community really like centers around it as they do with a lot of the events that you put on. And that's like, that's the biggest kudos I can give is like, you run a good ski shop, but you're a way better event organizer and community planner almost, you know, like this kind of shit is like, it's really cool to see the way people come out for the stuff that you put on. I'll say when I started to spread the word that I was going to come to the ski, the whites last year standing event, it was like this outpouring of people that have either been here or competed here or yeah. love the shop or love Andrew or yes. love Hillary and whatever it is. It's like this, it's this connection to the community here, which I was able to see in 2018 when I was here, but um, I'm getting to participate in now, I think. Yeah. And when I talked to protect our winters about it, you know, half the people there <laughs> are from new England. They're all familiar with the shop. They're all familiar with the event and they were all really fired up because POW itself has like a really strong chapter in New England. Yeah. Um, 
And that's one reason that I think we're seeing such good results for the fundraiser. Um, so many people pitching in and also because, uh, and also the reason that I think we're, um, just going to end up raising a you know good amount of money for POW and, um, all just, it's just, I can ski until I don't need to ski anymore. You know, like yeah. I, it's one day or two or three days, of, four days of skiing. So <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I don't know. Every year I, I just wonder what it's going to look like. I mean, you're talking about a difference of like basically 30 laps from year one to year two. And the, the course was also notably harder. People said last year than it was the year before. Like, I don't know that that was the feedback that I got. I'll just say it's different. Every year's different. Um, the first year we had a special boot pack for the schemo right. division, right. which oh. made it a little, which definitely made it more difficult for the schemo people. So I think Josh Burns did 27 or 29 yeah. laps or yeah, so. Yeah. And the number, you know, the more people you get to do this event, the deeper the field is potentially. And then the, that mental barrier of, okay, someone else did this. I can do this at least this much, or, you know, it's possible. So I think people have been recalibrated to some degree. Yeah. It is disgusting that the bar has now been set to where it is. Like that is very just disconcerting, if nothing else going into this being like, you know, you can't help but have 62 in the back of your head, which in my mind is just impossible straight up. I, it seems ridiculous, but I like, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting Ben to do it. And when, even when you were like talking to him about it, like I talked to him afterwards and he was just like, yeah, it was fine. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Like, everything's all good. It was, like, not a big deal. Everything's fine. Like, the most humble he possibly could have been about this. And I was just, like, mind blown by this person who had, like, at the time, like, 105 followers on Instagram. Somebody you've never heard of in your entire life in a, in a raccoon suit just crushing everybody. Like, it was, uh, it was a sight to see. Well, the expectations, I think that's interesting because... You, you can't help but have those bar. You know, I was going to Everest this year for my first time, and this whole event I had got canceled, whatever. And going into the Everesting, I was super nervous. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, yeah. the way I was getting, I'm like, that the bar is so high for this. I don't think I can do it. Blah, blah, blah. And then now it's like been recalibrated. I'm like, oh, and Everest here is like just a day. Yeah. More What's or less. like, yeah, it's literally it's like, like, I, like, I hope I can get past Everesting. Mm-hmm. But two months ago, I've been like, oh man, I don't think I can Everest. And so it's it's going to be interesting, I think, to see people's expectations and how that play into their performances. Maybe isn't that weird that that's like a thing that people do now? Everesting, like that's like a it's a buzzword and it's a it's an activity that people go like. I did it last summer with my friends on my bi- like bike wise, and I'm you just did. like, yeah, it was terrible. Like I had a terrible time, <laughs> but like it's hilarious that that's a thing that people are just like, we're going to go out and we're going to do this. But I think that's I think part of it is. COVID, right? Like, because you were like limited to where you could go. You're limited to the access that you have and the amount of travel that you have. So people started like looking for creative ways to just go beat the shit out of themselves. Yeah, Andrew ran 120 miles. I know, that's what I'm fucking saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, the, I think, again, the biggest thing you'll find about this is you can look at it with that mentality of it's a hamster wheel. It's so boring. Why would you ever do that until you go do it? And then you understand. I think yeah. you have a much deeper understanding of this thing because like you, Brody was alluding to at the beginning, it's some people are so competitive and so driven. They're like, oh, that's going to be so hard. <laughs> you got to have to like finish that. Like, But there's so many people that just want to go there, have a good time and, yeah, be, and, and be social, which is like life in the ski industry, which is the f- most fun part is the community and the people you meet along the way. So we're going to leave with like 90 plus friends tomorrow like right. you've never met. And you're going to meet a ton of people throughout the event 
And I think that's going to be like the most special part about it. These like connections you're going to make because you all have this common bond now. Well, that was extremely well said because I'm, I'm quite introverted and coming into this, the first time you said that, like the best part is being around the people. I like wasn't sold on it, but that right there, like kind of made me come full circle. And like, yeah. actually that does sound pretty fun. Like I typically don't enjoy meeting new people and like having these small talk on the Skinner or whatever, but like, that was very well said. I look forward to that now. No, it's it's absolutely true. Huh. No, it's a real thing, like for sure. Like you talked, I met people. My you first like year. people though. No, I don't. Oh, what yeah. the fuck? No <laughs> chance, dude. I'm like the most introverted person at this table. I guarantee it. It is. Uh, it's not my forte. But I like. I left that event and I was like, this is fucking fun. Like I I enjoyed being here and I think that's what that's what these events are about, right? Do you think that led to you ever staying this year then? No, I had not nothing related. to do. Okay. No, that was like, I have friends that just wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, cool. And that's not even like, a, it's especially in Western mass. Like you have areas that it's like proper, like one mile loops or whatever. And you just do it. It's the right amount of vert and you just crush those out. And it's actually not as bad as you would think. There's definitely terrain that makes it way harder. Um, and I have friends that have done it like on a mountain bike and on a mountain bike, it sounds fucking miserable. Mm. Um, on a road bike, it's just boring. You just fucking <laughs> keep moving and do it eventually. I mean, I don't know really dumb but you're gonna do it theoretically yeah, yeah you are i mean based on the pre <laughs> the, the pre-book bets are uh they're over 24 so yeah over 24 and it's I like think. if you finish 24 then you're the next care it's like well you might as well everest and if you've everested then yeah. you might as well hit this goal i don't think it's i just, could do it yeah. on what's skis? the next one what's the next logical one after everesting steps get bigger huh it's got to be like second sunset or something uh. yeah yeah, going through a second night sounds so gnarly. To no, me. the second night sounds brutal to me. Like that seems like where people break. And right? I can't help but think. Yeah, about we were taking naps on the 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 lodge floor, and it was during a windstorm <laughs> because you don't want to miss anything. Is this person going to drop? And you have to be there and make sure they have food. And like all the volunteers are gone, and it's Sunday night. You've got the Sunday scaries, and it's. Uh, but I will say, like that next day that you know all of a sudden you're closer to the next sunset and you want to see that and i don't know there's so many little motivating factors along the way you just got to find them it's those micro goals mm -hmm. i think those are the kind of goals i set is like that you know let's get through like one get more hour top, or yeah. Like, yeah get to the top of this lap do you do you sleep through it or no i i monty Dude, he's and, a fucking animal monty and i take like we'll each take like a three hour break the first night and then second night is it's we'll see what's happening you know it's again it's so fun to follow this and you don't want to miss anything that it's easy. <laughs> it's easy for us to stay up, especially if we're state, if we're busy. So sure. we have all these tasks and I try to get out in the course and take photos or just be there and capture it. It's, it's fun. Like it's a reason to stay up, you know, like as a kid, you have those reasons to pull those all nighters and this is one of them. It's funny because it's like, it is such a long event that you think like, Oh, it'd be kind of boring to watch, but it's because it resets every, every like yeah, 40 minutes, people come back and you're like, Oh my God, we're back friends. Like people to talk to. Did like you start to think last year? It might just never end kind of. No, no, <laughs> I was, Jeremy wanted to quit 50 hours in or whatever. Like he was yeah, really close. Resetting. And like, I was like, put your jet. I'm like, let's go. Let's keep, let's start this lap. Yeah. And then he did 10 more after that. Oh my God. But just think about the people that do like a big day. They do 10 laps. That's like 10,000 vertical That's feet, which is more than most people ever do yeah, in a day. Sure, yeah. And they leave. They go to bed. They wake up. Two days later, he's still, still going. <laughs> they go to bed. They wake up, you know, and it's still oh going all day. God. It's just one of those time warps where it's impossible to grasp. So in the past 11 days or whatever, since I've registered, <laughs> one thing I've been doing is I will just randomly at any point during the day think where was i 61 hours ago and what was i doing 
and not once have I been able to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like not, not a fun all. game to play. Or like 30 hours ago, wow, I was like in a different state or whatever. I could have still been skiing this whole time. You know, like that is not fun. Can I ask you a serious question then? Is yeah. is your girlfriend concerned about you like in this event at all? <laughs> Katie wishes she could be here crewing me because she's crewed me on like the long runs I've done and stuff uh, sometimes. And that's been really helpful. And she doesn't trust me to like eat or drink or like stop. <laughs> <laughs> she really doesn't trust me to stop. And um, that's what I meant. Yeah, I think it's reasonable fear to be honest. But if this knee thing that started five minutes ago for the first time in my life continues, first first excuse is coming up. I was going to say, see how I'm plugging that in nice and early. early in. This is coming <laughs> out tomorrow morning. So like, I mean, it'll oh be, really? I'm sure. Why not? Oh god, by then my it, knee is going to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. Last thing I kind of want to ask you, Andrew, why do you keep doing these events? Like what motivates you to do these things? Like, I mean, you do, you do a great job at them and it's a lot of fucking work. Um, why do you do it? <laughs> when you word it like that, I don't know. That's <laughs> why. You got me, you got me thinking about it. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got help with Monty who like, Monty he, loves it. So Monty McIndoe, the co-race director, he, uh, he came into skiing on my very first Friday night lights event, like five years ago. And he kept coming, he kept showing up and, and I watched it change his life. I watched how ski touring changed who he is. He now helps, you know, he now works in the shop and hosts all these events with me. And it's like, it's incredibly powerful, the sport, yeah. the, what we do. Um, so the work that we put into it, it doesn't feel like work. It's super cliche to say that, but it just, it's what we're doing. It's just, it's what we have to do. Uh, and so when you get to, make these events and, and host these, you know, host these crazy ideas and make them come to life. It's, it's not that hard. And it's, it's, it is a lot of work and I'm sure I'll hit burnout at some point because I was telling Brody, we do like an event every other week, you know, 26 weeks out of the year, we have an event at least between yeah. our, our running series in the summertime, the backyard ultra, this, covered bridge run road race. I mean, a little bit of everything, but this is what makes like retail manageable is people and, mm. and, um, the people I've met along the way and people we continue to meet and it's fun. It's like, gets me out of the shop. It, uh, I get to watch people achieve stuff that, you know, is really, again, changes their lives because now it, it makes them realize that if this is obtainable or possible, like what's next. And it's just this con, contagiousness of inspiration and like getting fired up for something. And, um, I'm sure Brody was like, didn't really think much about this event, but once you sign up for it, now you're all in and mentally you're all in, right? Like if I you haven't thought of anything for the past week, if you sign up, when you sign up for an event, it generally engages you in a way that like it changes you a little bit. And so yeah. I'm watching that happen with everyone. I mean, that's why I had that curiosity to try the backyard ultra format because I wanted to learn what everyone is experiencing and what made it so interesting. And like, what does it feel like to be at the stage where you're really second guessing, should you go on or not? Can you like reach that point? So we'll see. And we're going to see Brody like get to tackle that real time pretty soon. Adam, I, I want Andrew to know that I, when I posted online that I was coming to this, I had all these messages about the event. And one of them was, Oh, you're coming to Jackson, New Hampshire. Thanks to Ski the Whites, that is the heart of skiing, period. Yeah, I believe it. And I was like, 
what do you mean by that? And he's like, the soul of skiing lives there. <laughs> it's and I, I'm a total stranger, and I was like blown away by that, man. It's I, crazy. Every time I do a podcast with him, it is like, uh, you know, we get a certain amount of listens per show. The core audience for these shows listens like to one, because you can see how long people listen to every episode. It's like 90% finished. A normal episode gets like, 55%, right? So like people listen intently to what he says and to like what the information is and people just have respect for what they've kind of created in this area. So it's insane. That's a lot. No, I, I appreciate it. And I think uh, we live in a special spot and it was just a matter of time to like revive some of this ski culture that we have here in, in the white mountains. And, um, it's been like nothing but enjoyable the entire ride of just following this little path of these incremental decisions. And, and here we are like staring down our third year doing this crazy event. The fact that people are flying in for it and that people <laughs> want to hear about it and follow it was like, it's bizarre. It's a trip. Like to think that tomorrow um, at 10 AM we're going to have 90 plus people on the line uh, ready to go. And that unknown and uncertainty is that like that excitement you can feel it there's gonna be a lot um lot to talk about on the on the other side of this it should be known that that's uh 13 hours from now yeah we're uh at, we're gonna let brody take a nap um <laughs> and, and gonna, that's a good yeah, point and Andrew, um <laughs> it's a very good point um last thing uh bets i want like numbers what do you think he's gonna do uh oh, he's got it so He's got to do more, well, especially as he's super, <laughs> those super fast, super fast Fisher flown no, out here by sponsor. Transalp RC. He's got the fast, the fast boys. Those things. Will I'll get the Alpatax. Oh, you got Alpatax? Yeah. Some throwbacks? Yeah, yeah. They're four <laughs> years old. We don't even have those. All right. So Brody's going to hit at least what Rick did for sure. So you got to do Oyster Rick in the 30s. That's a minimum. Standard right there. So that's making it into okay. the second, oh, second night. The second night. That's like, yeah, that 7 p.m. I think yeah. you did that second night. Yeah. You got to get full value. Two sunsets, man. I flew all the way out here, man. Two I sunsets. And then after that, it's all bonus, man. So get there, and then we'll start talking about what's... I don't like this dance is. around answer. I need a hard number, Andrew. What do you think? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, 39. Okay. I was going to go 42. What do you think? Woo! Till I can't stand anymore. All right. Perfect. Um, Thank you guys. where, where flutters. can people follow along? <laughs> miserable. <Yeah. laughs> we are happy to watch you be miserable. I, it is going to be, it's going to be good content. Yeah. Just go to ski We'll have a live link on the top of the page with everything. Okay. So people can follow, get the live results and also the Instagram stories. And I think, uh, I'll be, yeah, I'll be Adam, doing stuff. Adam's going to be running around. I'll be doing them. I got nothing else. To do. Brody. So yeah. that's like between the three of us, <laughs> I think it'll be pretty well covered. Perfect. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Adam. Thank you. All right, hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to check out burnhelmets.com. Be sure to check out uh, onxbackcountry.com. Be sure to enter the giveaway this weekend from Darn Tough and do all the other things that we talked about during the show. Congrats to Brody on winning last gear standing or suffering through last gear standing or whatever. Uh, I now owe $650 to protect our winters, um, so I will post a screenshot of that today. And uh, holy shit. What a fucking event. And also, thank you to Colby James West. That guy's the shit. I'm like, uh, you're going to see some more stuff, I think, coming from us and him. And uh, it'll be really fucking cool. He's he's the man. So, 
Um, more to come. See you next week with a... I actually don't even know who we have next week, but we'll figure it out. All right, cool. Bye.